0: Hello and welcome to episode number 337 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carlos and in this week's show we learn the last ever A380 has been assembled. The A321 flying from the US to the UK is unveiled and a time. When most airlines are retiring their passengers' 747s, one airline is refurbishing theirs. In the military section this week, a vintage World War Two B-25 Mitchell makes a forced landing in California and we learn that the U-2 will be a regular tenant at the famous RAF Air Fairford here in the UK. Captain Nick is in conversation with Ian Palmer as he talks candidly in Part 3 about his battle with alcohol and we go slightly off topic this week as Captain Al, Matt and uh, they talked to weather forecaster Dan Holly about his unusual hobby of storm chasing, something that would go down well in the UK today. <laughs> so, uh, joining me over in is, is the, the awesome PTUK
1: studios this week, it's Matt Smith. Is, is the weather a little unclement where you are by any chance, Carlos? It's gloriously sunny here. I don't know what you're on Honestly,
0: about. Matt, uh, honestly. I mean, look, is... look, look
1: behind me. You see it's blue skies. Oh. There's a, some aircraft I can't identify because I'm rubbish at military aircraft flying behind M. A what? Sorry, a four hundred m. Is that? That's really embarrassing because yeah. I'm supposed to know that really well. Anyway, yes, you do. yes, it's uh, yes, it's it's a bit grim outside, isn't it, mate? It's not the best.
0: <laughs> no, it's it's certainly changed over the last uh, d- twenty four hours here in the UK. We're, I- we're experiencing now, um was it autumn weather?
1: Think, it, it autumn it, is a good word for it, actually. Although, yeah. to be fair, it's not uh, all, just awful here because uh, we weren't going to be having Armando this week. But I'm delighted to say that he's here <laughs> with us right now. And uh, the reason why is essentially bad weather has stopped play for you as well, Armando.
2: Yeah, that's it.
3: This week has just been an interesting flying (gasps) week. Um,
1: Excuse excuse my
3: dog. (laughs) Your dog has a cold. I think my little dog just ate my big dog. Right, okay. Uh, um, There she is. Good stuff. Excellent. Keeping the the shows going great. (laughs) No, yeah, it's been a... uh, It's all right. Nobody will notice. It's fine. Just just flying in some weather, and I was supposed to do some uh, volunteer flying today helping the army the US army out and the ceilings are 700 overcast with moderate rain so that's not going to happen and then tomorrow I'm supposed to fly skydivers and we'll see how that goes.
0: Hmm. Oh, well we're glad you like, glad you got uh, time to come with us uh, on the show this week Amanda. Perhaps we can um, give bad weather every week so you can just make <laughs> well, it no, here this, every no, week. He's got, he's got a lot of crust
2: my
3: friend. He's <laughs> I, a know, I know, I know. <laughs> and I and I will say to quell the rumors um, despite what he said on APG, Captain Jeff is not trying to pillage me. Uh, I just happen to spend more time in Atlanta than I do in Charlotte right now. So I'm meeting up with him every, every chance I get. And we, we went to a nice Korean barbecue where they cook right there at the table. And as usual, we solved all the world's problems of over a couple of beers.
1: Uh, well, and, and yeah, I can't think of better company to do that with, let's be honest. <laughs> He's <just laughs> such a genuine
3: guy, completely different than he is on the podcast.
1: Right. Okay. So
3: unfortunately <laughs> this
0: week, Nev can't be with us. He is uh, jet-setting around... I think he's jet-setting in the UK this week, isn't he, Matt? Mm. He's somewhere, yes. somewhere up north, I think, this week. So uh, Nev can't be with us. And he's off next week as well. We've given him two weeks uh, off this uh, yeah, this uh, particular... You are aware season. that
1: I am literally the only one out of all of us who hasn't missed a single show for like what feels like an eternity now. Because it's it's, this is the thing, What people the trouble is, is because since all this whole social distancing thing has all kicked in literally um nobody else is allowed to come in the studio at the moment, so it's like, in order for the show to go out, I hold have to on, be on, here, come on, rain on, or shine. On, <laughs> on, hold,
0: on, hold on, hold on, you have um, yeah, you, you have got some holiday books, Matt.
1: Oh, do I? Oh, good, oh, yeah. that's good. When, for when's October. That? Oh, October. For October, lovely, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, You've got nice. two shows off. That'll yeah. be, that'll be nice and sunny then, yes. <laughs> okay. That, that's rather so, uh, dependent so, yeah. on us being allowed to, it though, because we've got restrictions that are being applied here in the UK again at the moment, but we'll but see. But Nev
0: sends his apologies. He and does. He misses you all, but uh, he will be back in a few Few weeks time but we have got a fourth host this week on the show joining us as a guest he's not been on for a while but uh, we're glad to have him back on the show so uh, all the way from california from the airplane geeks we've got the awesome
1: brian Coleman. Yay! <laughs> the fans go wild. <laughs> I'll invest in a soundboard. I promise. That. 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 will
0: put it in in post. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll mend it. Even. And and for those of you who uh, who may be watching the live YouTube feed, apologies uh, for Brian's shirt, but we are uh, supplying sunglasses for everyone who yeah, was watching.
2: Yeah. 3D mind. ones, so it's it pops more. That's the answer. <laughs> but, but but it's going to be 90 degrees here in California today. I as know. Yesterday, as it was. As the day before, <laughs> as was the day before. Yeah, we just have a little bit of smoke in the air, but if you ignore the smoke from the fires, yeah, it's really not of, I,
0: I kind of feel, Brian, that you should be presenting a, a gardening program here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: He doesn't look like well, Mon-
0: Monty Don in any
2: way, shape, or form. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, it, it, since I can't travel anywhere, it's all about being on holiday, right? So I thought that I'd, you know, do holiday, and I could even sport, a holiday festive oh, look as at well. that.
1: <laughs> look at that. For those of you listening to the audio version of the show, uh, Brian's just popped on a, a, like a, now these are home, These are, well, not homemade, is that the correct term? They're, yeah. But basically they're, yeah, they're yeah, face masks yeah, that you... Yeah, they're handmade. Oh, yeah. yeah. Handmade and, face masks,
2: uh, Yeah, because of the pandemic, a friend of mine was um, really Wait, there's a really going bored. on? What? Hey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this little thing in Coronaville. And yeah, so, so she um, was really bored and a uh, really good seamstress, seamstress and a fun uh, graphic designer as well. So uh, we decided to start a little venture and make um, uh, face masks. See, my, my favorite one is the, is the Star Wars bunch, one that you showed us earlier.
1: This, this, there we go. Look yeah. at that. Star Wars. But yeah, it is, it's got like
2: CTPO and all sorts on. Although this one's not available on the website, it's kind yeah. of fun because it's, it's kind of planetary. And if you put in a special order, I could actually put Uranus on your face. Okay, uh, lovely. And uh, uh, Carlos, Well, Dickerson because there was whole, Saturn wasn't... there. <laughs> there was Saturn there on Earth. But are but some traditional ones with, you know, oh, oh, that's <laughs> like it, <yes. clears throat> for, for
1: Grant hot air Love, balloons. Oh, yes, of course, yes. Absolutely.
2: For just anyone into traveling. Lovely. But just, can we, can we awesome. get a PTUK logo one, Brian? Oh, yes. Um, only if you could find the fabric. Right. Um, okay, leave uh, it with me. I'll get some printed. Uh, yeah. custom, custom fabric is ridiculously expensive because I looked into that, and it was um, right about $75 a yard. That's all right. Which, I'm, I know someone who can do that, that for us. Can you just can 3D print after. it, Brian? <laughs> um, it wouldn't be very
1: flexible. But, but
2: that's your idea. Be a, bit, yes, be
1: a bit sort of you know preformed
4: oh, and not. Okay. Super.
1: Anyway, should we do, should we do some stories? Yes.
0: So uh, oh. so uh, big thanks to everyone who's joined us on the live show tonight. Big thanks to everyone in the YouTube chat room. <laughs> Loads of people, God knows why they're watching tonight in the YouTube chat room. We've got uh, we've got Lane Street, Stephen H, uh, Alan Loveday. Uh, Mike Williams, hello to you, Mike Williams. Uh, We've got uh, Alan White. Uh, Lara Megan Carrion's in the chat room. Never heard of her. Who's on things? Uh, Richard Adams, we've got Sturman. Gareth, hello to you, Gareth. Uh, Brian Coleman's in the chat room as well, which is always handy because he's a guest. But uh, Jonathan Warner <laughs> oh, see, is in like, the chat room. Lane is depressing S. me
1: now. Look, here we go. Look, he says, you know, about 25 degrees, 77 Fahrenheit and blue skies. Not Seattle blue skies, blue skies nonetheless. Look, see, it's, everybody is trump-carding oh. us weather-wise at the moment. Nick Codling,
0: David Abbey, Dave Abbey, Stephen Ivey is also in the chat room. The lovely Myler. Hello oh, to you, Myla. Hi, Hope you're well. Uh, APG Show is also in the chat room as Never well. Never heard watched. of him. Never heard of them. Uh, Who are they? Uh, So big thanks to everyone who has joined us in the live YouTube chat room this evening. Don't forget, if you're listening to this show as an audio podcast and you want to see what the craziest things that happen in the YouTube show... Go take yourselves over to YouTube, don't, don't look us up. up, Plain Talking UK, Stop. and don't forget to subscribe and click on the bell icon to be notified when we eventually go live each yes. week on a yeah. Friday night. <laughs>
1: if we don't get any tech issues like we did tonight, which is why we were like starting We all anyway, had tech yes. issues. It's
0: all—it's brilliant. We shared the love, shared the tech
1: issues. That's the one. Yeah.
0: So we are going to move our show on swiftly. Then, as we do each week, with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So, if everyone is ready,
1: no. Chance. Sure. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Quickly, push the button.
0: So, kicking off this week's first news story is on the simpleflying.com website, and it's the end of an era. So, the final A380 has been assembled. That's it, guys. That's all, folks. The final A380 fuselage has been assembled this week. The assembly marks the end of an era as the A380 program draws to a close just 15 years after the aircraft's first flight. It shouldn't come as a surprise that the A380 assembly line is slowly drawing to a close. After all, we've all known about the end of the A380 programme for a year and a half now, with some A380s, as we know, already being retired. In February, the Simple Flying website reported the final A380 fuselage had made the journey to Toulouse. Uh, Well, now the fuselage has finished its initial construction. This means the Airbus Manufacturing Station 40 is now out of work. There's still a bit of work to complete uh, on this aircraft, as many parts have to be installed on the particular airframe itself. And uh, the final Airbus to be assembled carries the manufacturer's serial number, 272 it is one of the nine outstanding deliveries of the A380 and eight aircraft are due to go to Emirates, the largest A380 carrier. While the additional A380 is due to be delivered to Japanese carrier ANA, for the time being, it seems, though, both airlines are delaying future A380 deliveries given the current situation. The initial assembly of the final A380 marks the end of an era for the giant of the skies. Sadly, it will be a short-lived error. The Airbus A380 has quickly fallen out of favour with the airlines worldwide, something that the current situation hasn't helped with. Airlines are favouring more fuel-efficient twin-engine aircraft and the A380's colossal size with its main selling point. However, it seems, though, this may also be the aircraft's downfall. There are very few niche routes that sustain enough traffic to make the A380 viable, such as London to Dubai or London to L.A., However, given the current wall of travel restrictions, even the latter can't support the A380. So for the time uh, time being, the A380 family... Uh, remains firmly grounded and only a handful of aircraft from Emirates and China Southern are currently flying. However, the plane itself will still be around for many years to come and airlines uh, likely won't be keen to scrap brand new aircraft. As such, those delivered within the past year will probably still have some usage yet. It's more of a question of when they will return to the skies rather than if, and it's unclear uh, when this final A380 will actually be delivered. So it's a shame, guys. Um, I class myself as being lucky to have had the chance to have flown on the 380 a number of times with Emirates and Qantas, but... Um
1: said this so many we've said this sorry if i bring a fade drop it works so much better uh, <laughs> we've said this so many times though haven't we guys it, it, it's it's like it, it's an incredible aircraft that just arrived at completely the wrong time yeah. isn't it i mean yeah. it's i mean i i'm not a, you know i i think if it had arrived in a different time maybe we'd have that same fondness for like the 747 that we we have because i mean i know i know several cabin crew who've, who've worked on one they don't like it from a from a operations point of view Mm. but i mean i don't know a single passenger who's been on one that says they didn't like it as a passenger you know from a i'd be
3: i'd be curious to hear brian looking into your crystal ball what do you think is going to happen with these airplanes Do you think they're just the emirates well they can't anymore or do you think they'll just end up going to some charter or just get scrapped at some point
2: yeah, I think they're just going to get scrapped because of the cost of flying them, um, which is really unfortunate because with all the flying I've done, I've yet to to fly on one. So that's kind of sad. I uh, was really looking forward to doing it. And I think something that it was just crazy, I was reading an article the other day where someone was proposing, I believe it was like 960 seats in one. So mm-hmm. an all-coach configuration mm-hmm. and... Yeah, it's like, it's so much for social distancing here. Um, Although I guess the good news is the Black Plague only lasted for uh, five years and took out 45% of the known world's population. So Well, I have four and a half more to go, um, then there just might be room for (laughs) that 900 and some seat um, A380. So, yeah.
0: So Brian, why do you think that um, this didn't
2: sell in the U.S.? Uh, I think because everyone went away from the hub-and-spoke system or mm. predominantly went away from it. I and mean, certainly there are still routes, um, but people preferred frequency. And with smaller aircraft, you could just get from uh, not the major – shoot, words are escaping me – but uh, yeah, the non-predominant airport, like an LAX or San Francisco to JFK, they'd rather go from you know Burbank to Omaha – and not have mm-hmm. to connect in Chicago in order mm-hmm. to get there. Um, yeah, yes, that's so totally that's... right.
3: And, and we've done a couple of stories in the recent past where American Airlines, United Airlines, they're, they're announcing new routes, and that's exactly what they're getting away from hub and spoke even, even further now. And they're targeting these smaller markets where they know they can fill the airplanes.
1: And yet, and yet but weirdly, like we say
3: so many times, you know, there, there are people – analyzing every penny coming in and coming out and looking at these markets and like brian's saying i don't but i mean i I mean
1: the hub hub spoke system that you're you're talking about there though i mean if if you're emirates that seems to be working so well for them if you see what i mean i mean it's you know if you're you can literally fly to anywhere in the world but it's it's via dubai and people don't seem to mind that certainly when it comes to emirates i I don't know whether it's perhaps because of their their position um you know you know flying to um like singapore or whatever if you were going to do it with emirates you'd go via dubai wouldn't you so
3: yeah i think they're kind of doing just hub to hub but their the their geographic position is so advantageous that they can reach a a good chunk of the world's population you know you could probably argue that the u.s is actually their furthest um, destination so they can You know, they're filling those airplanes, Mm. but by just doing hub to hub and then letting the regional airlines, you know, in Southeast Asia or our low cost carriers in Europe or here in the U.S., you know, code share. Once they get the, the 400 people, 500 people to JFK, then let Delta take them to yeah albany or something like yeah, that so
0: actually mike williams in the chat room um says that makes a good point actually he says that um about these being deployed in the middle east using old chart 747s he he's sort of had um, um experience with in the past he says he can see used a380s being used for that kind of operation lots of people traveling together is far more important than efficiency hmm, hmm.
1: I mean, I don't know what if do I feel about that, especially in, especially in these... Um, well, not in these current clubs. Like I say, oh, the no, slightly, yeah. slightly current clubs. You know, <laughs> if I can afford climbs, it, then yeah. I'd, ra- I'd rather, frankly, fly private jet, if I'm honest. But, uh, <laughs> Wouldn't we all? Wouldn't we all? You know. But, That'd be uh, nice. Funny old uh, times,
2: isn't
0: it? Moving on to the next story. Um, Brian, this one for you. And this is obviously with the PPE you're wearing. This is quite an apt story.
2: Yeah, and um not quite sure who brings this to us because it opened up in Apple News and it yes. kind of cut the uh Oh, BGR.com. Okay, so are they a reputable uh, news source? Uh, we'll say yes. Why not?
1: Okay, okay. <laughs> so... Great question. Um, <laughs> we don't care about that.
2: <laughs>
0: well, they're advertising wine at the top of their website. So they must be okay.
2: Okay. So airline in, in Italy came up with a clever coronavirus strategy to make flying safer. What, they stopped flying? <laughs> no. Uh, the airline industry has been hit hard by the coronavirus pandemic. Really? is anybody surprised <laughs> yeah. anyone? <Anything>? anyone anyone <laughs> I certainly haven't been on an airplane since uh January so yeah my goodness um, Yes. i surprised.
1: In Carlos's defence, he keeps trying to get an aeroplane, but they keep cancelling it left, right, and centre. In fact, the only persons that have been on an aircraft recently are Armando, and that's usually because he's flying, and, and Nev, because <laughs> he's managed to do one trip to Edinburgh, and he's doing one to Newcastle, and one to, did we say Geneva or Sweden or mm. something like that? We, we're going to get told off for not knowing, as I say. So there's two people that have been doing a bit of flying. Yeah,
2: good for them. <laughs> I am jealous. <laughs> yes. So the story continues. Hardly a surprise. Countries across the globe instituted nationwide lockdowns earlier this year and effectively brought air travel to a near standstill. Even now that things are slowly but surely opening back up, air travel isn't exactly a top priority for many people these days. I'd argue with that. I think it's a really top priority for me. I just don't feel comfortable doing it. Anyway, in the light of that, Alitalia, the largest airline in Italy, recently rolled out an arguably clever marketing ploy to convince potential travelers to return to the sky. As detailed on One Mile at a Time, Alitalia recently launched coronavirus-free flights to give passengers peace of mind. The airline will ensure that everyone on board is coronavirus-free by requiring passengers to submit a negative coronavirus test within 72 hours before flight. I have to stop reading right here because what a bunch of crap! Oh, um, <laughs> no, because so it's seventy-two hours before mm. you could test negative one day, test positive the next day. Let mm. alone test positive three days later. In my opinion, being that I have MD so close to my name, um, it's just complete rubbish. Okay. I, 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 I just don't see how this is making anyone safer with the um, latency of the ability to test positive, plus with just the crappy tests that are available anyway and their inaccuracy. Um, again, this does not make me feel safer at all. Do
1: you, do you End you think, of editorial I mean, comment. Is, is this, no, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, do you think this... I won't say... Well, I'm going to say the word publicity stunt, but perhaps that's not quite... How I mean yeah. it. I mean, is it? Is that's it marketing of, spin. Yeah. Well, I mean, is it one of those things where it's an attempt to try and look to make people feel better? I mean, do you think that's what is you thinking? Well, this is our idea. Yeah. We think this is how they'll solve it, and you know, and it's you know. It's, I, yeah, but it.
3: So I say yes, but it is necessary. It's necessary to do something if you can get ten percent more capacity in an airplane by yeah, sure. making people feel safer then that's 10% that you're getting in the airplane. And then that 10% is going to say, Hey, I had a great experience and it was just fine. And look at Alitalia doing a, a great job. And then they're going to talk to somebody and get somebody else on the airplane. So it, you, you got to do whatever you got to do to get the airline industry back so, going again. So,
2: yeah. So, so I, I'm sorry, Matt, but Armando, I was on a call yesterday with, with United and they announced a pilot program where they're going to do rapid testing at, you know, San Francisco. So it's a pilot program. They're going to roll it out. They're doing the Abbott test, which is, I don't know, probably 75% accurate, Um, but you get the results in five minutes. And the plan is to test people. I'm sorry. The way they rolled it out was they would test everyone before they got on the plane. Then as questions came up about the service, they um, admitted that passengers would have to pay for it and it was only voluntary. Now, if they tested everyone with a rapid test in five minutes, I would feel a lot more comfortable getting on an airplane with everyone else that, that tested negative. Um, but even still, with a 75-80% accuracy rate on the test, it's, still miss, it's potentially missing a lot of people that are going to be flying Indeed. Yeah, in I, fact, I certainly agree with you. There's, um, there's some comments in the chat room, actually,
1: which I'll just run through with everyone. So, I mean, Stephen H is saying that it gives you marginal more security if you're bothered by it. They probably still have to have a mask and no snogging with strangers rule, which I think is you know, sound advice for sort of life in general, perhaps. Uh, you know, Alan White, he's, he's uh, very much agreeing with you, Brian. He's saying that, uh, exactly right, Brian, 72 hours ago you were COVID-free. Is the aircraft going to be a time machine and go back and collect you 72 hours? earlier which is, <laughs> a, again a, a really good point isn't yep. it? it's um this is the thing i i, I don't know i suppose uh, you know as the nervous passenger amongst us all i suppose they, i'm I, I guess i'm saying from my point of view i i guess I, I suppose it's 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 an attempt to try and make passengers feel better i mean the, the thing is is i mean i guess this is going to be a very unpopular opinion perhaps here but maybe given what's going on at the moment maybe we shouldn't be flying um, you know, but obviously, you know, industry, the, the industry needs people to be flying. I mean, we don't, we, mm-hmm. we don't want these, these beautiful aircraft to all be grounded, you know, for any longer than they have been already, frankly. Um, you know, yeah, but, I
3: don't, I don't think anybody would argue that the, the safest, if you want to be safe and yeah. you want to know that you're safe, then, then don't fly. Um, don't expose right. yourself mm-hmm. to that risk. And I mean, I, you I, know, I've said the whole time that I've been flying, um, it's it's my dream it's my love it's what i love to do it's my job but given the choice had i been given the opportunity to take a extended leave i would have absolutely taken it because i don't want to expose my family yeah and you know my in-laws and my parents and my my friends Mm -hmm. to that stuff especially yeah just traveling through atlanta i was talking to jeff about this atlanta's packed there's three out of seven concourses that are just packed full of people in charlotte i feel never slowed down there was a story that we did three four weeks ago that said they were able to trace uh and i think it was in canada they were able to trace seven cases to charlotte or something like that and whenever i commute through the charlotte airport it's like it's never slowed down right Um, so yeah. And, and yeah, yet, yet,
0: yet you compare that to the picture that yeah. uh, Nev sent us in the group chat this week when Nev uh, flew through Terminal 5 wasn't it Matt? I think Heathrow. it was yeah yeah, yeah. Virtually and Matt sent us a Terminal picture 5. of Terminal 5 at Heathrow and it was literally there was three people in the picture. Yeah. It,
1: it's it's that's the, it. the contrast bearing in mind that's a ridiculously busy airport, you know, the 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 contrast is is quite shocking. I mean, why do you think that is? Is is that because it is i don 't know is it because flying is so much more necessary in the states, perhaps in order to get from one part of the country to another, or is it perhaps a different mindset perhaps where people aren 't maybe taking it as seriously I think, as I think as it depends on are. the
3: airport i as far as people taking it seriously it 's all it 's all over the place where if you were to do a a diagram it 'd be a shotgun here because um, it 's not even it's not even geographic or political or anything like that you you just have the entire spectrum of a complete this is all a hoax right and oh, but I, I, it. I,
2: the only thing i disagree with you over is i think it is very political which i'm going to try my best to shut up over C- that Cable. but it yeah no i i do i just think that it, so i would not discount the political part everything else i've agreed with you on yeah, yeah. yeah i would
3: not discount it at all because um so so i guess what i was getting at is is in here in the us it, it depends on the airlines and where they're putting their weight of effort so charlotte i think american airlines has consolidated a lot of their operations into charlotte when i go to atlanta uh, concourse, a b c and d are packed but e and f might as well be part of a, a scary movie where it's just a ghost town pittsburgh airport when i was up there was completely dead so so i think the airlines are consolidating their operations in some markets or some hubs um Uh, and and yeah so when you're talking about the picture from terminal five and how it's different a little bit different here in the states i I i think they've they've just consolidated that now that's just exposing or i guess increasing the risk of exposure um at those airports and i always think about the airport workers right yeah With absolutely hundreds of thousands of people's coming people coming yeah. through it's the cleaners it's the gate agents it's the yeah. uh people working at at the vendors um that are
1: seeing all these people all the time we're going to move on in in just a moment but i just want to whiz through the comments in the chat room if i may uh, mm, first of all um so tony s is a a great point here saying we're a small island most flights in the uk are leading to somewhere with quarantine measures i think that's a a very good good point there uh steven ivy is saying that uh, i'm an employed pilot and i had the choice to take leave and elected not to haven't exposed any of my direct family to anything been doing it for six months, you know, uh, it's a, perhaps a shame that more aren't like you, to be fair, Stephen, I guess. Um, so Captain Bahar is saying that the airlines in the US, especially the one that rhymes with America, uh, don't respect social distancing, partly because of financial reasons, but also partly because of the culture, which is an interesting uh, interesting take. Um, it's hmm. uh, uh, actually, uh, Amanda. You may be able to answer this one here. Mike Williams is asking, just out of curiosity, what are the testing rules for pilots flying through different jurisdictions?
3: I don't think there. It depends on the airline. I think Delta Airlines, I know for for sure, is offering some testing to their employees. Hmm. Uh, my airline, nothing. There's no requirements for testing. There's no um, mandatory testings or uh documenting negative results or anything like Mm. that so i think it just depends Mm. on the operator
1: indeed and the last point before we move on is just from uh alan whitey saying there's so much confusion here in europe at the moment regarding safe countries quarantine areas and around the unsubstantiated dangers of air travel hence the lack of bookings in europe which Mm. i think is another thing I, i this is the thing isn't it i mean people are going away on holiday and then it's being changed isn't it it's like they'll, yeah. they'll be away on holiday and suddenly the rules change and they're all frantically trying to get back to the uk so that they can escape having to quarantine for for two weeks because let's be honest most people can't afford the quarantine isn't we we were issue. as you
0: know matt we would do to fly yeah, yesterday um for the air show this weekend in moldell which has obviously all been cancelled <laughs> Yeah, you know, we would do to flight yesterday and we we could have still you know, even though our EasyJet flights from South End were cancelled mm. um, because EasyJet pulled out of South End, we could have rebooked with Ryanair and flown yeah. out to Malta um, uh, today, on a flight yeah. today out of Stansted, for just the same money. Um, but you've got that issue where, had we have gone out there, mm. I would have had to have taken uh, next week off work, the week off, week yeah, after absolutely. off work, and the week after that off work. Mm. Yeah, which... Is not good.
1: No, indeed. Oh. Right, we're going to move mm-hmm. on. Uh, Armando, yep, so- if you can take the next story, then please. Uh, this is uh, JetBlue. A slightly better news from JetBlue, at least. From the Point Sky
3: UK. I don't know there was a UK branch of the Point Sky. Uh, <laughs> there is <JetBlue>. now. <laughs> uh, there is now, right? JetBlue Airways has adorned its first Airbus A321LR that will carry it to London next year with a new tail design dubbed Streamers that celebrates... Transatlantic travel. The, de- the design features waving ribbons in varying shades of blue that is meant to be both celebratory, celebratory and bring to mind images of ocean waves and the jet stream. JetBlue told staff in an uh, external communiqué on Tuesday that is shared with the Point Sky streamers will adorn adorn the tails of all 13 of its A321LRs that it has on order. Uh, There are some pictures on here. It is actually a very handsome design there. So the New York-based carrier remains on track to launch flights to London from both Boston Logan and JFK by late 2021. JetBlue aims to disrupt the market with a premium but affordable product similar to what it did with Mint on U.S. transcontinental routes. JetBlue executives have said that the airline will also unveil uh, an updated mint product on the A321LRs for the new London flights. However, they are mum on the details uh, of what the offering will look like. Uh, mm. Very handsome airplane. And, I, you know, this is great for JetBlue. And yeah, I think yes. with the, yeah, I've, I've, some I've, of the I've... other land, the airlines that have failed in the transatlantic market, I'm curious as to JetBlue and the power that they have behind them. <laughs> um, they're, you know, they, they know how to do... Mm low cost and uh, i'm curious if i i, I think they're going to be successful at this i i, I really Indeed. do uh, if you want uh,
1: to take a look at the picture that uh that uh, Armando was talking about. Unfortunately, we couldn't get permission to, to show it here today unfortunately, but it will be in the show notes uh, so do take a look at the livery that uh, or li- is it livery or livery? I never, I'm never, i never quite sure. <laughs> we'll go with livery. Uh, um, Unless it's livery
3: in England.
1: It could well, be. I'll pro- I'll we don't wouldn't know. don't out- open that can kind of worms otherwise we'll have producer John jo- joining in as well. It's uh, They pronounce different things differently where he used to. Anyway, that's uh, that's all But it. It's, um, I don't know, a bit of good news though really. I mean, uh, I presume. I mean, now Jet Two. They're not Jet Two. Jet Blue. Sorry, very Freudian <laughs> slip there. Uh, that, so this is very much a sort of like a low cost model.
3: They do. They're. They started out as a low cost, and you know, they're. I don't know, Brian. What would you say? I think they're on the the high end of low cost here. <laughs> <laughs> uh still got a little red microphone, Brian.
2: He's on mute. Sorry, oh. not anymore. Not right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think there is such a thing as a low cost airline because when you look at all the fees that they add on, um, <laughs> it ends up being just about the same price anyway. So certainly Spirit and Frontier, um, you can get uh, very expensive um, end of trip totals when 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 you finish. So. Um, and certainly the uh, L.A. New York their minted service is is I think quite competitive with with the Legacy Three. So no, I, I actually wouldn't consider them a, a low cost airline. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah, I wouldn't either. I they I think try to sell themselves as a low cost, but yeah, but they're not. I, I really like the JetBlue product. I I like flying mm-hmm. on JetBlue. Um, I think they're just a, a great. Great little airline.
2: Yeah, um, when I've flown on them, yeah. Boom.
1: Lane saying you're supposed to think, spend money here, uh, which I think is probably a good idea, isn't it? Certainly, that's Ryanair's model, without question. Uh, yes. That's the object that they go down. Uh, okay, uh, Carlos, I think the next story is with you.
0: Yeah, this one is on TheGuardian.com and um, casting my mind back to earlier. Well, blimey, quite a few years ago now, probably about 15 years ago now, when I first took my first flight uh, in a light aircraft when I started to learn. And le- landing at uh, Norwich Airport, which is not too far from me and Matt here, on a, on a proper uh, runway. Is was... that
1: the really expensive cup of coffee? That, yeah, that, that right was uh,
0: a really fantastic experience for someone who's normally used to landing at small, light, you know, small GA kind of aircraft, airports around the area. But... Um, This story is the little planes that could. Sydney Airport opens up to hobby pilots during the pandemic. So the scarcity of commercial flights landing at Sydney Airport has been a disaster for airlines and workers. But for hobby pilots in Australia, the pandemic has provided the opportunity of a lifetime. The quieter than usual runways mean that private pilots have been given the chance to land at the international airport for the first time. When Sydney uh, Flight College club captain tim lindley put out a call he received no willing response he eventually organized uh, for 14 light aircraft to fly into sydney airport uh, on sunday last week with 40 people involved for a lot of pilots involved including this uh, particular person it was a childhood dream to land in a big international airport like that uh, like the airliners uh, he said lindley uh, this uh, His group took off from Bankstown Airport, where many private pilots usually fly from, came in over Sutherland and landed at Sydney Airport. Although the runways weren't busy, uh, Lindley and his crew still had to navigate some huge aircraft. He said that lots of the pilots had passenger jets waiting on the side of the runway, which might have been really funny to watch with these small little planes coming in, he said. Uh, He also said that when he was taxiing in, he had a Jetstar Airbus in front of him and an Air China 767 behind him, and we were all waiting for another one of the club's aircrafts to land. Lindley, who was flying a Cessna 182 with three passengers on board, had worked with the airport staff to make sure the pilots knew what to expect and how to approach an airport of such size. Coming into land at an airport like that, there are lots of optical illusions, he said, because it's such a long runway, and because it's so wide, he said. The thing is, the airport is designed to have the pilot sitting 30 feet in the air, so we're sitting in a little aircraft, and you're sitting maybe one foot off the ground. None of the signs are aimed at you, so it's actually incredibly disorientating, he said. The main runway stretches for nearly four kilometres, far longer than smaller aircraft need to land. Australia's largest airport usually has a cram schedule, making it almost impossible for private pilots to hobbyists to land at. Some private planes have landed at the airport in the past, but the airport's airfield operations supervisor, Niall Nigel Colan, said the pandemic had allowed the runways to be opened up like never before. He said, As our airfield is much quieter than usual due to COVID, we have been able to review each request and grant access, which for a lot of hobby pilots is a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, Colin said. Uh, We've been able to open up conversations with light aircraft pilots because our airspace is much quieter than usual. The airport itself is experiencing uh, 60 to 90 plane movements a day. At present, a huge drop from the 800 to 900 that ordinarily use the runways, Uh, that significant drop, has had a huge impact on the aviation industry, Colin said. Um, Pilots had to submit a flight plan and book a landing spot. Colin and his team then had to adapt to the smaller aircraft and guide them in unfamiliar territory. He said that we're certainly not used to the smaller aircraft, so they keep us really on our toes, he said, when they arrive. Being smaller means they're harder to see than the jets and the turboprops, and they don't make as much noise, and it creates a positive challenge for all of us at the airfield, he said for some of the hobbyists he acknowledged we're literally making their dreams come
1: true and i mean let's just, i mean i'm trying to think the best scenario to sort of compare this to here and i mean carlos it would be very much like you taking in the little cessna 152 or whatever it was that you were flying just taking it to heathrow into heathrow yeah oh, taking it into heathrow imagine heathrow. I mean, can that. you imagine how cool that would be <laughs> that's ex-
3: <laughs> that's exactly what it is it's these airports and right when covid hit and the slowdown operations came to a screeching halt <laughs> I, as I said, I continued flying, and I would hear these general aviation. Now it is it is a chance of a lifetime to take a, a Cessna 172 into O'Hare or Atlanta Hartsfield or uh, JFK, something like that. And people were doing it in those first couple of weeks. Then the word got out, and the controllers, I think, had to put a, a little bit of a, a kibosh on it because I remember flying into Baltimore Washington International Airport couple months ago and there was there was a ga pilot that that was requesting to do touch and goes at bwi and yes while technically we're a little bit different here in the u.s and and the airports are public use and air traffic control is there to serve everyone it got to be a little bit too much when there's a 172 trying to do touch and goes at bwi or dulles or something like that 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 they said okay, okay, everybody. We need to yeah, slow this now. down and yeah. do it during non-busy <laughs> yeah, like uh, times because yeah. Armando were,
2: could he, could he have done five or six touch and goes on the one on length, the of the length of the
3: runway? yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you can absolutely, um, especially you know you get something like like uh, Washington Dulles or or O'Hare that has she's you know thirteen thousand foot runways. You, so, you could you could certainly land uh, at least. <laughs> eight times um i think <laughs> i think runway. the short takeoff uh the short takeoff ground roll distance on a Cessna 182 is six about 600 feet and the landing distance is about 600 feet so <laughs> you do the math so you can take off right. from a stop and land to a full stop and 1300 feet give or take and yeah you could do that a couple <laughs> times you could bunny hop
2: down the runway <laughs> Oh, the landing fees at that, that point. Yeah, yeah. There's, no, there's, yeah
1: an the that, there's an interesting stat here that, as I said, interesting thing from Alan White here has just added to the jet room. He said, So Cessna 152 rentals are at $220 per hour. Uh, Kingsford Smith International landing fee, $14,500. There you are. That seems, that's a very <laughs> I was just going to say burger, on that, on that
0: subject, Matt, for, for, the, for, the, for the GA aircraft landing here at Norwich International Airport, um, is that Norwich London? Norwich London, yeah. Um, <laughs> you're looking, London, looking Norwich, at yeah. uh, around about twenty seven quid for a landing fee oh, right. for that. That's which affordable. works at around about thirty four US dollars landing fee uh here at norwich airport
3: yeah i'm happy that that these guys got an article published in the guardian i i would be curious to hear what the airbus pilot and that 767
1: <laughs> pilot that were behind him <laughs> i mean that's that's quite that's quite a separation required presumably for and also all jokes aside bit of a potentially a bit of a nightmare for atc as well to be i'm just think it-
0: uh, caution white turbulence uh, the
1: <laughs> 150 tad, um, yeah I'd knock you on the, the, on the tarmac <laughs> absolutely
4: yeah uh, much
3: like much like Mila, who is talking about uh, in the atp you know they're 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 pushing the power up to keep up with the with the bigger jets i fly a Pilatus into these airports and i'm doing the same thing we're always i mean we are full power within company limits to keep basically a, a 767's minimal approach speed and those <laughs> controllers are fantastic at working us in there but don't mess it up because if you if we slow down if we mess it up they're just going to take you up out, out of the sequence because there are eight airliners
1: yeah. stacked Breathing up on runway yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and I they're
3: being of- you know and i think captain i was talking about this but they're being metered all the way from their destination. So if you're talking about an arrival in Atlanta, that aircraft is being told what speed to fly when, let's say he left Chicago. So somewhere over Indiana, he's already being told, hey, slow down to 250, slow down to 280, or speed up because he's getting sequenced in to arrive one hour later. If if anybody ever gets a chance to go to an air traffic control center um, or air route traffic control center, ARTCC, and see the metering mm. person, it's like, it is literally the matrix. It is just is it. Uh, <laughs> these stacks of aircraft... Falling from the top to the bottom
1: bottom of the monitor, and that's where those slots come in. So they're... I'll be honest, I don't know if I like the word falling. in Water water falling. It's a waterfall. Yeah, yeah, that sounds less threatening. Let's go with water falling. Yeah. Um, amazing. I, I mean, yeah. I remember, I, no, I remember in, in our um, I think we, when we were chatting to Adam uh, ages ago, and because and, that because um, was it Flybe still had a route that flew into Heathrow with that? Is it their little yeah. Dash Eight? Is it a Dash with Eight? With the Eight? Uh, yeah, the Dash Eight. Yeah, Q yeah. four hundred. <laughs> me, oh,
4: blimey,
1: <laughs> <You shot> me. <laughs> <laughs> see I do listen sometimes uh, but I seem to remember you saying it you know he was saying actually rather enjoyed the challenge and and uh, you know you saying a lot that you know the, the flyby pilots were really good about trying to get out of the airspace as as quick as possible actually Richard Adams is saying in the chat room here uh, that Southampton always encourage GA visits when they do the AO, AOPA tower visits but £70 landing fee plus handling plus parking really limited. It's the amount of people who actually take them up on it, which I'm not surprised about. But anyway, um, a fascinating subject. We should probably
2: move on to the Moving next swiftly story. on to <laughs>
0: the next story. Brian, this one's again with you. This is another another
2: COVID story for oh, you, Brian. Oh yeah, why did yeah, I get all the COVID stories today? Now they <laughs> of opinion because, because we know your comment on them. That's what <laughs> <laughs> Armando, what is that? Then? Sorry, I was distracted. Oh, hello. What are you
3: up to, Armando? This, this is pilot... This is my impression of Mila. This is Pilot Barbie on a Pilates. Right, okay. <laughs> if you're listening to the audio
1: podcast, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I would say go and look it up on YouTube, but don't bother. Uh,
2: <laughs> Quite distracting.
1: <laughs> Quite distracting, yes. Anyway, you stop Brian's flow there. Honestly. So airline, <laughs>
2: airline workers, Brian, why are they so amazing? Yes, from, from Business Insider, airline workers have lower rates of COVID-19 than the general population. Again, ask a biased person, get a biased answer. The airline CEOs say it's proof that flying is safe. Scroll to the rest of the article here, (laughs) since I just inserted my opinion. (laughs) So the, (laughs) the coronavirus spreads when people are in close quarters for extended periods of time, breathing the same air with little space between them. So you might expect airplanes to be the perfect environment for the transmission. But some surprising data from airline workers show that it's not the case. In fact, flight attendants and other airline workers have had lower incidence of COVID-19 than general population. Can I stop and comment now, or do I have to say one more paragraph and then you can? Then you can. Thank you. All right. Okay. So, according to airline executives and union leaders, that's a sign. The safety measures airlines are taking on airplanes are having an effect. Okay, all right. And now before you explode, off you go. <laughs> okay. So when deep, deep you take breath. a look at all airline workers, you're talking about all the maintenance people that are being factored into here as well. So they're not just looking at pilots and flight attendants. And when you're a, a maintenance worker in, in a, a, um, a hangar, Your exposure to people is significantly less than a flight attendant. So if you want to make an accurate story and use accurate numbers, use a reasonable, valid population of people. Brian, Brian, are are you
1: suggesting that there's a slim possibility that statistics are being manipulated in order to highlight something that may or may not be financially beneficial to an airline aviation slash industry type
2: thing? There, there are two. Th- if, if anyone looks up my, I like how res- over that and moved on. Yeah. No, no. no. If, if 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 anyone looks up my resume or CV, they will see that I've spent more than half of my life, um, either working for a statistics company, and/or being in the medical industry. So, although <laughs> wow. I am not a doctor, I'm phenomenally opinionated over this stuff because Absolutely. of my work life experience. So, yes, um, I, I, as I started when when I read the article, if you ask about Bias person you're going to get a biased answer when you ask ceos if it's safe to travel i believe they are going to say yes it is and they will manipulate the data any way possible to to have that a case in point a very good friend of mine is a flight attendant for american airlines guess how many times he has been tested for covid 19 since january
1: i would like to say at least once a fortnight if i'm honest
2: how about once in six months hmm Okay. This does not give me warm fuzzies. No. Now, Armando, as a pilot, how many times have you been tested? Mandated by the company? None. Man- just on my own.
3: Volition.
1: Right. Mandated by time the time wife time. who's just across the table from you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah, no, so, the company has not mandated it at all.
2: Really? Yeah, so therefore, I really have a hard time believing these numbers.
1: Wow. Yeah, I yeah, mean, I mean, so, I mean, if you want to put it in that sort of, you know, sort of line it up like that, and I suppose yes, it sort of nonsense is the entire article, really. I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, actually, I mean, again, this is it's not really something I thought about, but I guess I just sort of assumed that that people that were working in in airports and you know, and I guess I kind of assumed that there was some form of regulatory, you know, regular testing going on as part no, of the, the, nope. the, the process, which if, is frankly if, if, shocking.
2: If, 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 you, if you don't test, you will have very low numbers.
1: Well, yes, but you could say that about anything. You could say of that course. about cancer <laughs> and
2: you know, things that. Exactly. Like. You exactly. for it. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, wow. yeah. Therefore, you don't have it if you don't test. Okay, that's, um,
1: yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm so, losing so the warm, fuzzy feeling all of a sudden. No, okay, but, but, but
2: here's, here's another bit of maybe hopeful news that I'll inject into the conversation oh. here. <laughs> I was just recently at my, um, my general, my GP, my you know, general practice physician, and uh, we were talking about flying because unfortunately my mom is, is quite ill and mm. she lives in Florida. And I was saying, so if you had to fly, how safe would you feel flying? And she says, well, oddly enough, my husband's a doctor, and he lives in Michigan, and he flies back and forth weekly. And for the past six months, he gets on a plane Monday morning, flies to Michigan, does his work, flies back Friday night. And she said he wears an N95 mask on the plane, does not have anything to eat or drink on the four and a half hour flight. Wears another mask and a face shield on top of that, gets an awful lot of funny looks from most people, but he feels totally safe doing that.
1: Wow, okay.
2: And that's how she answered my question.
1: So, yeah, so I mean, I I suppose that what the lesson we can take from that story then is essentially there are um, sort of self regulatory things that you can put in place if you like to absolutely minimize the, the risk that you can get I mean actually all jokes aside hang on uh because I, I got this for the bus driving but I can't I can't wear it because one of the problems is here sorry this is going to work terribly on the radio I know but I actually <laughs> bought myself one of these ah um, goggles which, with a fish It's basically like goggles or glasses, because I can actually wear them over my glasses. You're but, steaming up, mate. Well, you steaming the, up. And this is the problem, you see, because <laughs> as a professional driver, and I, this would be the same for pilots and everything Matt, as well. it's foggy. Fog as I, like as I breathe out, of course, I, I, it's immediately fogging up, which from, you know, if you're a professional driver in charge of 52 other people's children, this is a serious issue where the, the, the thing is, is, is fogging up. So... Uh, yeah, so I mean, there, as you say, but I suppose as a passenger, you could just put up with it, couldn't you, really? And that would minimise that. That you know, it's minim You know, I suppose you've got to do what you need to do to, in order to feel safe. And if that doesn't work for you, then you you don't fly, I guess.
2: Yeah, and I also think that if you had a mask on or a bandana or something covering yep. your your mouth to direct the the moisture from your air downwards from the plastic, and the temperature was regulated between the plastic and the ambient temperature, yeah. um, and, and and that that you're exhaling, it, it would fog significantly less. Brian, are you suggesting less, that there's but, an
1: awful lot of hot air coming out of my mouth? Is that what you're suggesting?
2: <laughs> <laughs> or just people in general? Yeah, fair enough. But anyway
1: Oops. we could go on about this subject for ages and ages i know but and we're rapidly yeah. we're rapidly next uh, through next our time. story matt
0: and um, this this one is uh, we obviously we've covered green stories we haven't it, we've
1: hopefully fingers crossed on monday we've mm. got a, we've got a fascinating interview hopefully lined up uh to talk about uh, another example not a million this, miles away but this is from another
0: uh, regional size plane, yep. isn't it matt?
1: absolutely yes so i'm gonna bash through this as quickly as i can ain online is the website and the headline is heart unveils electric propulsion system for the es19 airliner so heart aerospace on wednesday unveiled the electric propulsion system that will power the es19 regional airliner it claims will be ready to enter commercial service in the summer of 2026 the swedish company which is backed by eqt ventures also announced that it has secured a 2.5 million euro uh uh, funding uh, in financial support from the European Innovation Council Green Deal Accelerator Program. Uh, the 19-seat uh, ES19 features four um, propellers powered by electric motors. The preliminary design for the aluminium fuselage fixed-wing model shows winglets and a T-shaped tail and somewhat resembles a smaller version of the de Havilland Can- uh, Canada Dash uh, 7. According to Hart Aerospace, which is headquartered at Gotham Save Airport All the, the all electric aircraft will be able to fly around 400 kilometres uh, that's 217 nautical miles and operate from runways as short as 750 metres or 2,461 feet it's expected to have a top speed of around 215 knots and a cruise speed of around about 180 knots. Uh, the company maintains that these low speeds will not be a disadvantage on short sectors especially because the aircraft will be able to operate from small less crowded airfields that will shorten the door-to-door journey journey times. The company was formed in 2018, initially as part of the Electric Air Travel in Sweden, the ELISE project, and funded by the country's uh, Vinova Innovation Agency, along with several other undisclosed backers. Its engineering team uh, includes veterans of almost 70 aircraft programs, including Bombardier C-Series, the HondaJet and the Zanum, uh, Aeros Electric Aircraft uh, testing has already begun with a ground-based prototype of the complete propulsion system and a 20% scale model of the aircraft is due to start flight tests uh, before the end of 2020. The program plan calls for a full-scale prototype which will be quite close to the series production design to start tests in mid 2024. The aircraft will be certified under the EAS or EASA, sorry, I learned that last week, EASA CS23 standards. The Manif- Manufacturer is in the early stages of applying for design organisation approval Hart has developed its propulsion system in-house and is using automotive industry batteries as its power source. MT Propeller is providing the ES19 7 blade propellers. The company is in talks with several aerospace groups with a view to source cockpit systems and flight controls. The company c- c- claims that 8 airlines from across Europe, North America and Asia have signed letters of intent to purchase a total of 140 47 examples of the S19. These include SAS, um, is it Brathens and Widderow in Scandinavia, Air Greenland, uh, New Zealand's Sounds Air, Paskin in Quebec, uh, Quantum Air in California, and UK startup City Clipper. That's an interesting one. Uh, no uh, mention of price here. Uh, so far but um, I mean it's a fascinating project
0: isn't it I I looked at this, their their website if you go on to um, the Hart Aerospace website they've got a huge glossy lovely shiny website profiling this particular aircraft, to me it looks like a a miniature ATR 72 but with two extra engines obviously because the ATR 72 has got two engines but it's like a mini version of that and I think, god if they actually do Get this, pull know, it off. It's, this, it'll pull be it off. Yeah. it's a fantastic regional uh, airliner which would go down an absolute storm here in the UK. I do have one Europe.
1: question that might spoil things, though. I mean, it's, you know, batteries. It's all, uh, <laughs> well, there is that. Yes, I mean they're talk, they're talking about um, you know the options if you like with, with, like the flight times and stuff. But I mean, certainly, uh, ironically, I was watching an episode of Top Gear of all programs where they they all bought 2nd secondhand um, electric cars um, and. The biggest issue here is the batteries, and of course, one of the other issues is how long will it take to charge it back up, ready for a full flight. I mean, I, I suppose you'll have sort of industrial power sources and everything uh, to be able to do so. But I mean, I'm not—I don't know—is—is the, is the technology ready um, for you know battery-powered aircraft? I, I'm not sure we're at that point yet, are we? I,
0: I think we're at the point where we can have like a, a mix, you know, Matt, with yeah. uh, battery-powered and. Uh, um, you know stand up you know standardized mm. power like uh, fuel powered engine aircraft mm. i don 't think we 're at that stage yet where we 're going to have a completely electronically powered or electrical powered mm. uh, commercial airliner yeah. now, and, what do you think i think Brian
2: yeah so uh, i 'm looking forward to that day I think it 's going to be a while. companies like Sunflyer with their um you know little uh, uh, um, What, two-seater, I think it, it, I'm not sure if they've released their four-seater yet, uh, but Pipistrol has their um, small plane. I I think they're getting there. Uh, Some of the things that I think will drive this are um, uh, folks like the state of California is mandating by 2035 that all new cars uh, sold in the state must be electric powered. So I think this is going to drive battery technology, which certainly seems to be the, the large limitation right now.
5: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, Obviously we've had, we had all the issues with the batteries with the dreamliner back when Mm -hmm. they, they Mm -hmm. started and stuff, but, um, I think yep. battery battery stuff has come on a bit since. Oh, it has since then.
1: Yeah, um, I, I, no, I, I mean I love it. I mean, especially you, you think that the sort of commute that I do, for example, I'm doing two trips to Beckles a day at the moment. Um, I mean, I would love to have a little electric runabout car because I mean, for the commute that I'm doing, I mean, you'd still need the C Max like to go to the airport or something like that because I just I don't know if I could I could trust it just yet but you know for the little like the little commute hop from you know a to b if you i mean electric is definitely the future but i mean you know it's batteries isn't it that's the big issue but even
2: if it was i'm I'm, I'm sorry carlos but even if it was gas electric right where you had some sort of a gasoline engine to get you the rest of the way just in case if something happened or something to supplement the batteries i I think that's a nice bridge until the infrastructure is worked out because of course you need charging stations everywhere Mm. in order to support this uh i i I heard actually on the news this morning going back to cars but where porsche now has a fleet of trucks that will go around and charge and they said the truck itself has enough battery capacity to charge 30 cars in a rapid charge scenario well of course so uh, taking it back to aviation of
1: course i mean the you know the aircraft that this this um You know the aircraft that the airports that these aircraft are flying into, of course, will no doubt have the infrastructure already in place for rapid charge, etc. Before, I mean, presumably they'll make sure it is in place.
0: Richard Adams does make a good point, though, Matt, that Mm. uh, especially for us in the UK, there's no infrastructure (laughs) in the UK for those vastly increased power demands, cars, heating, cooking, let alone power stations to produce margins are already very low, especially in the winter. Mm. It does make a good point if yeah. we suddenly have a glut yeah. of aircraft. I think... Actually, I, he's, before, he's also suggested surprises. that what
1: I need is, is a stretched milk float. That's the It's other a stretched milk, milk float, suggested
2: in the chat room, but that's, And for uh, the rest of the world, what is a milk float?
1: Uh, it's 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 an electric bit. So for some reason here in the UK, it's uh, it's literally uh, the milkman delivers milk we, on a battery We were powered.
0: pioneering we green were. travel yeah, in the genuinely. in the seventies, sixties yeah, and seventies. Yeah, Yeah,
1: the, the, there was this thing where yeah. the milk deliveries were done by electric milk floats. You know, they were literally like imagine a, a van, like, yeah. yeah.
0: Imagine a minivan, um, uh, Brian, with uh, not much of a front end, mm. but just a flat kind of front end with glass windows and a steering wheel and a forward and reverse and- button.
1: Weird, weirdly, I, I, this, this is going to be the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard in your life but I appeared actually in a book and a programme on Radio 4 BBC Radio 4 of all things uh, for a programme that was called Three Men and a Milk Float and the reason why I appeared is I was running the King's Head Hotel in Bungie at the time and they were going from Lowestoft to Land's End or something like that I can't remember which way it was, it was, I think it was like, yeah, they were going down so um, they, were, they were literally going Lowestoft to Land's End essentially and they were doing it in a milk float and the idea was the part of the journey, the experience was that they were having to find places to charge the vehicle up overnight and one of the places they ended up was the Kings Head Hotel in Bungie and we allowed them to hardwire into our our fuse board basically to, to charge the thing up and, uh, I,
2: I, I just went to images.google.com little yes. plug there uh. and typed in milk float <laughs> and a whole bunch of pictures showed up, now <laughs> I know what a milk float Indeed. is there we are <laughs> this show is educational <laughs> indeed we try yeah we that's try. that's
1: the thing at least like 60 percent accurate uh... so the next story uh for matt
0: uh this is uh, obviously we've all we've been listening to the stories in the last few months about the retirements of the 747s across the globe um but uh, this airline matt has decided rather than retiring they're going to refurbish
1: them Indeed. Yes. Okay. So, sorry, I'm not prepared because my show notes say that you were reading it. But it's not a problem. Simple oh, is it, flying? Is it, oh, I am sorry. Is it me? Flying. Oh, com it's me. Is, oh, I can do it. <laughs> uh, I'm ready if you like. It's all right. I've got it. It's fine. SimpleFlying.com. Uh, and uh, it, it, the headline is Airline uh, Iran Air refurbishes one of its You're Boeing like 747. It That's yeah, fine. It's fine. You, you knock yourself <laughs> out. Uh, you can have my military story. How's that? Uh, oh, <laughs> love you too. <laughs> Iran Air has reportedly refurbished one of of its Boeing 747 planes. Uh, With the impending cessation of the US-led arms embargo, Iran is uh, proceeding with its plans to expand its aviation capabilities. (coughs) Excuse me. The airline accomplished the feat uh, using local engineers only, showcasing showcasing its self-sufficiency. As one of several Boeing 747 planes in the carrier's fleet, it appears the other planes are still up for sale, as announced a few weeks ago. Uh, According to Iran's uh, News agency Iran Air has um, completed the refurbishment works on its remaining Boeing uh, 747 200. The aircraft registered uh, Echo Papa indigo charlie delta is a 32 year old model and has been serviced with iran air has been in service with iran air since 2008 the refurbishment project is the first time in six years that the airline has conducted repair works on its boeing 747 fleet uh, the project was notably worked on exclusively by iranian engineers uh, experts as a show of self-sufficiency in the face of economic sanctions uh, Foreign engineers and carriers are reluctant to do dealings with Iran Air due to the embargo. In a statement, Iran Air said, nevertheless, with the efforts of Iran Iranian engineers, we have been able to carry out all repairs. With uh, Iran Air's mammoth $9.5 billion Boeing 777X and $25 billion Airbus orders seemingly dead in the water, the airline may be exploring more economically viable options, including more refurbishment projects. Uh, So what will they use, the 7474? According to the airline, this particular 747-200 model is intended as a cargo-only plane. Uh, Tehran claims the plane has already made vital contributions to the nation, transporting aid uh, during floods and flying crucial supplies uh, for the fight against COVID-19. In the near future, Iran Air has claimed that the plane will conduct uh, flights to and from the UAE. That's uh, quite a bold claim, isn't it? Uh, plans for Iran Air's other 747 planes look less promising. While they have been uh, put up for sale, most experts speculate that they are too old to ever restore to working order again. Instead, they are likely to be to use their be used for their scrap value and taken apart. With a number of rare models in their 747 fleet, aviation enthusiasts will be sad to see them go um i won't go on because the rest is all about uh, the history yeah, this, of this, the story, this, this but, particular
0: um, aircraft i was just looking at the history of this yeah. this um this one this 747-200 obviously 400 is was is obviously the the model that they're mm. currently flying say with um, well with ba but they're getting rid of theirs but this model mat on this story was delivered back in 1988 oh my goodness. to Martin Air, Holland. It's had a... I'll tell you what, you, you talk about cars in the UK having, like, a, a few owners. Yes. This, partic- this particular aircraft on this story, map, this was... On the um,
1: logbook, there would be how many entries?
0: This was owned <laughs> by uh, Martin Air. Uh, Qantas owned this as well. Uh, Singapore Airlines, they had a little stint with this. ATC Airlines had a little go with this. Wow. Anchor Air had a go with this. And then Iran Air got this back in 2009. But um, this actual aircraft first flew in, or first got delivered, I should say, to Martin Air Holland in um, um, September 1988. Wow. So, yeah, this, uh, yeah, 32 years old uh this particular I mean, aircraft
1: i don't know i mean that to be honest with you in the coaching world that's not enti- that's not an unusual number to be honest with you but then you know it's like most of these things if they're well maintained from day one then they don't mm-hmm. you know they don't perhaps deteriorate like most vehicles i mean you know it's only really the tech that gives away the age of the vehicle if that
0: makes sense. Yeah, these, um, these 747-200s, Matt, the, um, if you, the, the 400s that were all well-versed in, that BA mm. have uh, flown and they are arms, they have uh, two obviously two um, pilots on the flight deck, a, a first officer and a captain. Um, but these dash 200s actually have a third Um, spot, Matt, with a flight engineer. So you have your captain and your first officer at the front and just behind them to the right, if you look inside the flight deck, you've got a big engineers panel which uh, they control all the fuel and the engines and all the various controls. Mm. That's like a a three-pilot crew in effect on these Dash 200s. Yeah, so...
2: Gosh, and, and, and I bet all the other ones have already been cannibalized for <laughs> yeah. parts, mm. even that's, though that's they say they anticipate to cannibalize them. I bet they already have. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's
0: testament, again, though, to the 747. Look, guys, this, this yeah. you know, 1988, yeah. this is, they've and done still, incredibly still well.
2: In yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs> so, Brian, uh, you've got the next story, and this is a bit of a good news story, especially yeah. for this particular toddler.
2: Yeah, from Gizmodo and staying in that part of the world. Uh baby born on a flight to London gets lifetime uh ticket from airline, which is kind of a cool story when or cool headline when you read the beginning of it. So a newborn baby will get an early taste of what it's like to navigate the what, what it's like to navigate the fine print in airline agreements. A woman gate <laughs> ha it sounds like a setup to me a woman gave birth on an egypt air flight from cairo to london last week the company says her child will receive free flights for life again so far so good (laughs) the airline tweeted a statement explaining the woman from yemen gave birth on wednesday september 16th while traveling on a flight from cairo to london wow that seems redundant uh The woman, that has some name, reportedly went into labor mid-flight, prompting the pilot to initiate an emergency landing while in German airspace. But this child was in such a hurry to reach personal destination, it was safely delivered before the flight could touch down in Munich. Egypt Air said in the statement that the newborn will receive free lifetime travel ticket. So far, so good. But in a later tweet, the airline relayed congratulations from the pilot who was pleased to present the child with a free ticket for life on Munich flights. (laughs) It's unclear if the baby's birth bonus will only apply to flights heading to Munich or it'll be a lifetime pass for any route that Egypt Air flies We've reached out to Egypt Air for more details to clarify exactly how the ticket will work, but did not receive an immediate response. Shock horror.
1: Shock horror. Yes. Yes, Considering
2: the fact that the mother wasn't even on her way to Munich, limiting the ticket, I love this line, limiting the ticket to travel into the German city wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. And God knows what other restrictions are placed on the lifetime pass. Indeed, regardless,
1: uh, Alan White is suggesting that you know terms and conditions apply, taxes and charges not (laughs) included, obviously as you would expect with anything like that. Uh, But uh, yeah, a a lovely story, really. I, you know, it's yeah. uh, uh, Does does this does this open the age old question though of what is the nationality of the child? there you go because yeah absolutely been...
2: and and certainly if the plane was overflying america and had to land in america the child would certainly be american yeah true. Um, so yeah so there's no question there but for um things like this and how the european union handles that or germany in particular i honestly have no idea i suspect it will involve an alarming amount
1: of red tape and paperwork Paperwork, <laughs> yes <laughs> indeed it's it's the uk's favorite subject uh okay so uh, on to uh the next story and um this is with uh you mm. uh carlos
0: yeah the executive com. this one and this one is especially for Stephen grant mccarran over in australia and I, for any mate, of our australian oh and uh, for any of us oh, sorry <laughs> about that uh, guys <laughs> apologies <laughs> for that um yeah, this is for any of our Australian listeners and, um, and especially for those Australian listeners who enjoy wine.
2: I'd uh, love to get one of these. What are you talking about? No, this of, does
0: this to be limited to Australia. Australia? It, it's safe Sorry. to say we're going to finish on a high with this last story. <laughs> I see what you did um, there. This, uh, this is on the executivetraveler.com website. And Qantas is selling 1,000 Boeing 747 bar carts that include wine. Ah, yes, the you heard it here. So here's your chance to bring a little bit of Australian aviation in history to your home or office uh, in the shape of a Qantas Boeing Seven Four Seven drinks cart. If you're thinking of turning it into a personal mini bar, it comes fully stocked with eighty mini bottles of wine plus champagne from Qantas's business class cellar. Qantas is about to sell a thousand of these Boeing 747 galley carts, which its uh, engineers rescued from the red tail jumbos before they were flown to California's infamous Mojave Desert Boneyard. Each cart has clocked around 2,000 flights, and travelers Uh, travelled an estimated 15 million kilometres to the likes of London, L.A., San Francisco and New York, Singapore, Tokyo and Hong Kong. So they're certainly not in mint condition. uh, Back to the mints again. Yeah, but that's uh, just part of their unique character and part of the story they tell. Other items, including emergency exit signs, phone handsets used by the crew, and galley control units, will go under the hammer at a charity auction at Qantas C- Sydney Domestic point out Business that. Lounge.
1: I have both of those things in my studio right now. You do? You do? <laughs> I actually plain, do. Plain, have... re- plain recliners, yeah, Shamus yeah, plug. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah, these will go under the hammer at a charity auction at Qantas uh, Sydney Domestic Business Lounge. Uh, on Saturday, October the 10th, ahead of a seven-hour Boeing 787 sightseeing flight. Phil Caps, Qantas Executive Manager of Product and Services, uh, likes to think of them as pre-loved and ready to be adopted pre-loved. by those with an appreciation for aviation collectibles and an eye for design and wine. Uh, There's been a huge demand for Qantas 747 memorabilia, and frequent flyers have expressed their keen interest to convert the bespoke in-flight trolleys into everything from lampstands to storage units. The fact they come fully stocked with some of Qantas' most popular onboard service items will hopefully inspire some high-flying fun at home. Each Qantas Boeing 747 half-size bar cart includes five plastic drawer inserts, Packed with 40 mini bottles of Australian white wines, 40 mini bottles of Australian red wines, one full-size bottle of champagne, uh, one sleeve of Tim Tams. The important part on Earth other cookies, sort biscuits, Tam. as you okay. might call them. Yeah, they're biscuits.
2: chocolate-covered biscuit thing. They're they're actually really really good. Okay. Uh, one sleeve of savoury biscuits.
0: One 200-packet of smoked almonds. <laughs> uh, two Qantas Business Class amenity kits featuring the Aspar Travel Essential skincare products. A 100% combed, combed cotton Sheridan Throw made exclusively what for on Qantas earth is a combed First Class.
1: cotton throw?
0: Two pairs of Qantas Class uh, business class pajamas. Right. Uh, one medium large and one large and extra large. And if you want a smaller size, just give them a few washes in hot water. Uh, so <laughs> the price for all that Av Geek greatness is 974 uh, uh, dollars seventy cents, or one thousand, or sorry, one hundred and sixty-nine thousand Qantas points, if you're <laughs> oh Qantas goodness. frequent you flyer,
2: it with points,
0: <laughs> which includes includes the all important bit, includes free delivery right. to metropolitan locations: is Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Adelaide, and Perth. And There'll well, also and be what a small number here in
1: the UK. <laughs> They'll cost you a fortune. Okay.
0: There'll also be a small number of full-sized carts with double the occluded items, uh, which will sell for uh, $1,474.70 or 256,000 Qantas points. My goodness me. Uh, And um, it says Executive Traveller understands the 747 carts will officially go on sale At uh, 8 a.m. when this story broke, uh, which is Thursday, the 24th of September, which was yesterday. Oh,
2: so they've been sold then. I think they have all sold. Yeah, I was going to say, if you've clicked on the link, they're all sold out. Right. Ah, okay, that's it's not so, a surprise. So tragic, I- indeed. Uh, 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 Megan
1: is well, suggesting that, what... uh, Megan, Megan is saying that Australians have way better banquets than than the U.S. airlines. Anyway, apparently, I don't know. Is that is that your comment there <laughs> on Mondo? I don't know what's going on. Well, there. I was going
3: to say, remember when we were talking to Andrew from Plane Reclaim- Reclaimers, He said that <clears throat> the beverage carts actually were one of their most popular <clears throat> items but i think we could probably help him out if if we asked him to stock each of the beverage carts that he's selling with a full load of wine i think maybe maybe they would uh...
1: Yeah, Get more business, also sell, out. sell yeah, a little absolutely. bit better. Yeah, which absolutely. they they are
0: actually yeah. selling selling six seven different versions of a drinks car on their website at the moment. Yeah. Actually, uh, the again, uh,
1: Megan has also pointed out. Don't IKEA make cheaper these for much much cheaper? Which is probably uh, no, uh, no, Carlos. It's, it's not, got the, it's Carl, not got Carl, so You could have a look. for me. stuff. Uh, yeah, you're, you're going to <laughs> IKEA tomorrow. You can have a look, can't you? Uh, uh, Monday, Monday, so, we go Monday. Monday. Yeah, my apologies. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Warner is very excited. He said, "Finally, uh, wine and biscuits. Finally, a good commercial story." That's our Monday very. That's that's. Uh, Jonathan Warner, very excited. Stephen suggested that it seems to have everything except for a cuddly toy in the uh, in the choices. There is quite quite a list. It's um yes. Uh, I guess I
3: have to choose my word carefully because the live audience that I have in my house is my my wife. But I would totally spend a thousand bucks on this. Your brain. Oh my.
1: Yeah. God. Okay. Lovely. If I could uh, roll around,
3: I could roll around uh, a seven forty seven Qantas seven forty seven drink cart.
1: around around the house
2: I, yeah. Armando, that's that's exactly the reason why I looked it up to see if there yeah. were still any for sale because I what, was getting ready to place my order. What what yeah. Megan hasn't
1: told you is that she would be she would probably allow you to buy said cart, but what you will what you would have to wear in order to, to have it, you know, to with the drink service perhaps would be less appealing <laughs> to you. Well, uh, yeah, I would
0: have to Can I can yeah. you, Matt just can hope you just it's point, warm. point out? What to, Matt, you got to just point out what Lane Street says in the chat room there. Does the flight attendant come Does with
1: it? Does it come yeah? I Absolutely. No, well in this case Armando <laughs> does. That's it, you know, the first well, <laughs> That's, uh,
3: I, I am going to, because as Brian said, I'm I'm ever the optimist, I will take that as permission to also buy a Qantas seven forty seven business class seat that we could put in the office. Right. And okay. then she can get the full experience.
4: Right. Right. Then okay. she can yeah. sit in the business
3: class seat. I'll come over with a drink cart. I'll you know. And then yeah, what we'll do is we'll,
1: what we'll do is we'll we'll we'll, we'll ship um, uh, Owen over, who's a fully qualified uh, train, fully qualified and trained uh, flight attendant, to, to, to you know for, for the full experience.
5: Uh, Jonathan,
0: like Jonathan Warner says in the chat room: "Top story for today: Armando is now a single man after buying a 747 <laughs> seven car." I suspect well, there may be little truth in that.
2: Yes,
3: Carlos. After Gemma leaves you because you bought an airplane window, <laughs> good, point. good point. Maybe we could just move into a flat together and North think Touche, touche, Armando.
1: I think uh, Ra- Racon has uh, officially stolen it, saying that role play, role play, there at its very finest. Anyway, we'll move on before we get to get into. Oh, the I football know. Football. What, oh. It, what,
2: Wait, Matt, Matt, before you move on, I can actually answer the question over combed cotton. Right, please do. Yes. Being oh. in the fabric business now, it's something that I know that I never would have known previously. Right. Uh, so, so, combed cotton, they, they process it before it goes through the, um, the weaving machine, so it's actually oh. softer yeah you get all the fibers to line up in the same direction well
1: yeah. there you go you see every day a, is in fact a school day uh, a better quality cotton <laughs> better quality cotton there we are well that's a that's a, what a marvellous place to end the commercial section on to yes uh, Carlos uh, we've got uh, part three of something very special coming up next we
0: have yeah for those of you who've been listening uh, to the show over the last couple of weeks now we've been running a series of interviews with Ian Palmer and uh, this also is with a video so you can uh, watch as well but this time it's part three of uh, captain nick's fascinating interview with ian palmer as he speaks candidly about his battle with alcohol
4: ian uh thanks very much indeed for joining me yet again uh, it's a great story and uh, i'm really enjoying it Oh, brilliant. Well,
6: it's great to to be back, and uh, it's great to be talking about um, aeroplanes.
4: Oh, absolutely. Um, Now, we uh, left last uh, part of the story with you getting a job with a a great airline, with uh, Monarch, Um, and you realised after a while, though, that you uh, still had a a drinking problem, Um, and I think you acknowledged now that that definitely needed fixing. How did you accomplish that? Okay, so I was
6: flying a lot. Um, we were doing a lot of these flights where we would fly uh, late in the evening and to the Greek islands, you know, arriving back at sort of seven or eight o'clock in the morning doing these charter flights. And I remember on the days off, um, never ever, I will reiterate actually, never ever in the uh, aeroplane was I uh, under the influence. But on my days off, I couldn't wait to get home to drink. So I'd get home and I would be fairly out of it. And so I clearly knew in very short order that something wasn't quite right. I had several, um, I had a few relationships around that time. Um, Nobody would stick with me, of course. Why would they? Um, Everybody ran a mile. I started losing friends. Um, And around this time, my parents, uh, well, firstly, my father was diagnosed with, um, but he had um, fairly uh, type 1 diabetes so he was quite sick with that um, my mother then was diagnosed with uh, ovarian cancer that had spread to the bowel, lung and stomach so that was stage 4 cancer straight away and my father then uh, very quickly afterwards was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and I remember seeing my father on the Sunday night in hospital when we were told that he may not um, survive um, uh, the rest of the week. And we were by his bedside on that Thursday evening and he died on the Thursday. And again, I didn't feel anything. I had no emotions. Um, carried on. And this was 2010. Uh, England were playing in the World Cup. Um, I remember it very clearly against the USA. And I remember watching a football game with my mum then in, um, in a hospice. And my mum died. We were, the only thing I can say is that we were by her bedside, and this was very shortly after my father had died. My mother died. And so she two, died.
4: Two enormous tragedies. Two enormous tragedies uh, in, in very close, in very short order. yes.
6: So it was. I mean, I remember taking. I remember pushing my mum in a wheelchair on oxygen to my dad's funeral. Golly! You know. And, uh, so that was truly the worst experience i think any human being could go through but, emotionally but
4: not something you were able to process
6: nothing well i wasn't able to process it and probably uh, more importantly for uh, somebody who suffers with this condition is i was unable to control it wow and that was the issue and it's a control there's a control elements to the um, alcoholic condition so i then thought this was great because I didn't feel anything. Why did I think it was great? Because it gave me the opportunity to drink more and everyone would feel sorry for me. I wasn't at work now. I decided to withdraw from flying. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was happy days for me. I could now just drink as much as I like because I no one was going to bother me. That's how sick this illness gets. So I then did take up with a young lady who i knew from my childhood and uh, i was wanted to i kind of always had designs on her i think for from a young age and i um i totally messed it up uh, she had a kid and i was awful um but i wasn't flying around this time but she suggested that perhaps you need a bit of help i was terrible to this lady and i went to see my gp who um clearly knew what was going on but he had written these um sick notes basically to say that I was off work with stress and this was when it really started to take a hold I decided then having been left an amount of money and bearing in mind that uh, one of the things we do with this condition is we like to be liked (laughs) we have a people-pleasing propensity so I was giving money away I was doing all sorts of crazy uh, explain uh, displaying really crazy behavior I Decided to go to rehab. Uh, but there was a bit of a problem. We didn't have any money. I'd spent all the money. Oh, Lord. So how was that going to work? Um, so I thought, mm, I'm going to have to have a loan for this. And I started to get a bit more serious at this point, realizing that we're getting back into a corner. And um, my band, accountant friend was uh, an executor to the will. And he rang me up knowing that all was not well, and said, oh, we've um, found some more money in a pension fund, which your parents had. And in order to go to the rehab, the cost of the rehab was £14,000 for 28 days. Now, bearing in mind that the ego was still rife at this time, so I couldn't go to any old rehab. It had to be the Priory Clinic, uh, because that's where all the rock and roll stars went, of course, wasn't it? Uh, or so I thought it was really course, screwed yep. up thinking. So it was £14,000. Uh, how much do you think was left in this pension fund which the accountant found for me?
4: Well, I'm going to guess exactly 14000
6: Exactly £14,000. Wow. Yeah, exactly that amount. Is that odd? It's strange. Now, this was the first thought that maybe something else was happening. Now, I'm not religious or deeply religious, but I'm very spiritual. And I've realized that, you know, there's something greater than me controlling this whole situation. I got away with so much during that time and I was so lucky to get away with my life because remember, this condition takes everything and will eventually take you. So I came out of the rehab, and the first thing I did, because the ego was still rife, I decided to test if they'd actually properly fixed me. So I celebrated with a bottle of champagne. (laughs) Now, if that's not screwed up thinking, then I don't know what is. Because I drank this alcohol. Um, Of course, clearly, I was nowhere near aviation, I was nowhere near anything and i was um, in a pretty bad state so the doctor who was looking after me in this rehabilitation clinic uh, gave me a telephone call and he said ian uh we'd like you to uh, i'd like you to come in and have a chat so the first thing i did was um, i was drinking liters of water thinking this would hide any sort of alcohol or drug test Uh, I had a shower and I remember trying to clean myself, but I was really hot and clammy and in a real state. And um, I was quite bloated and really, so I went in a taxi and I remember throwing, getting a taxi driver to stop and throwing up. And I got to the rehab and the specialist, uh, the doctor, uh, consultant, sorry, who was looking after me there, um, he said, Ian, sit down, we need to have a chat. And this was the turning point because he said to me, and he didn't know whether I was flying or not, but he was aware that I had a license to fly an aeroplane and I was effectively off work with stress. And this is the way you mislead people with this illness. Um, you know, you, you lie to protect the illness. So I said to, he said to me, Ian, you have a choice. You can either stop drinking and fly aeroplanes or you can continue to drink and die Take your choice. Now you've got two weeks and you need to tell your employer exactly what has been happening. Or you can go to the CAA and explain what's been happening. Because if you don't, I will. And that was a, like a, almost like a mallet over the head. And I was thinking at that time, and this is how screwed up my thinking was, I was wondering how I could manipulate the situation to get, this, get a gagging order over this person. Um, so I was speaking to a solicitor friend. He said, "Yeah, it might be possible," but not realizing this was the guy that saved my life.
4: <laughs> yeah, it's, not... I can understand. Looking back at it now, is this was the bloke that really was the catalyst to make you mm. realize how awful the situation you were in had become.
6: Yeah, and what I will say is, around that time, I should say that just before my, um, just after my parents had died, and just before I had this experience of, um, I had changed employer. I decided to get away from, um, Monarch, um, and they obviously are since, uh, no longer exist to join, um, Acme Airlines, the company that I'm with now. And, uh, they were, well, considering I was the new boy, <laughs> I couldn't have wished for anything better because I went to the union and I said, look, I've got a bit of a problem. And they said, it sounds like you've got a bit of a problem. And they said, well, we need to. uh, Well, there is a drug and alcohol policy in place, as there are with any employer worth their salt. Um, There'll be some sort of drug and alcohol policy. And so my union went to my employer and said, one of your pilots has an issue. And they say, oh, right, okay. Um, And he would like to, this is the most important thing. This is the most important thing is that he would like to self-identify that he has an issue. There's a very big difference between self-identifying and being caught. (laughs) Because if you get caught under the influence, that's instant dismissal. If you get, if you self-identify and say, I've got a problem, then uh, certainly with my employer, and I certainly know for most, every major airline in the uk if not europe would have a duty of care then to say okay because they recognized under the world world health organization that this condition is an illness they would then do all they can to help you and what they did which i will forever be forever grateful is they gave me a second chance i went to rehab for a second chance and this time i meant business I joined the uh, rehab and what was interesting, there were seven people then on this, I thought it was a course, I thought that I had to graduate and um, a couple of people left and out of everybody that was on that course um, in that rehab, uh, one of them was quite an affluent businessman who has been sober now. Um, for the same amount of time, and he's gone on to be to do really well in business, and uh, but everybody else has since died from this illness. You're joking. The other five people have, are dead. Wow, no longer with us. So I consider myself to be really lucky. And this wasn't a priory type, uh, posh rock star rehab. This was a gritty, down to earth rehab where they also meant business. And if you didn't abide by their rules, you had consequences, which would be to clean a room, even clean a toilet. It was all about humility and instilling in you all that had been lost through my career in um, misleading people, in you know having a lifestyle which was totally incompatible with my career. <laughs>
4: That's a remarkable thing to have to undergo, uh, Ian. Uh, how do you look back on it now?
6: I look back at it and I thank. We have a an expression. I like, well, I thank my higher power, which yes, for me is God, but doesn't always work for everybody um, in that sense. But I thank my higher power that my life today is not different. Absolutely. It's massively different. Oh, it's right. like, it's a different world. It's a different world that I, you know, now reside in. I um, I haven't had a drink for uh, eight years almost now. And do, and do you know what, Nick? I have no desire to drink ever again. Um, we have an expression. It's a bit like recoiling from a hot stove. You kind of burn yourself once. You don't go anywhere near it a second time. And now... For me, it's about passing the message on to other people. Um, And I'm sure maybe some of your listeners and viewers will identify um, that, yeah, it doesn't take a brain surgeon to work out that um, I'm part of a fellowship. And that fellowship is very close to the front of the telephone book.
4: Yeah, I I understand. And uh, the the requirements of being a member, as it were, uh, are the... You certainly have embraced uh, the opportunity to help others.
6: Yes, because we have a really lovely expression, and that is, I can only keep what I have by giving it away, by giving it away, by helping other people, by sharing what we call experience, strength and hope. Um, and I think Balpo is reading in their newsletter recently, their magazine uh, called The Log, that actually this illness is, um, you know, 5% of people actually in the world who, ha- who suffer with alcoholism show outward signs of it. 95% of people are hiding this.
4: You, know,
6: right. you would never know you would never know. And they probably don't even know them, know themselves. So it's a devastating, devastating, devastating condition. One from which you never, ever properly recover from. All you can do is arrest it. But what I will say is that today, I have a life beyond my wildest dreams. And what does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean that I've won the lottery and I'm driving an Aston Martin and I'm now chief pilot of Acme Airlines. Not at all. What it means is I now have serenity and I'm now happy with my life. And I'm grateful. I have gratitude.
4: So um, if, is there any advice you can offer to those who are thinking that they might have a problem?
6: Absolutely. Uh, the first thing you have to do is acknowledge that problem, you have to say yes. I have a problem. Second thing you do then is you ask for help, and you will find that, as I said, I was astonished the way, the moment I admitted this issue, the way everybody came running. Now remember that this is, it's a condition that you manage. Um, but today. I have a whole new circle of friends. I don't relate at all to the way I was. I'm in mean, a new relationship, which I've been with Kirsty now for five years. And she says to me, I could never imagine you drinking. I could never imagine you being the way I described. It's almost as if, you know, I don't mean in the religious sense, but it's almost like being reborn.
4: Well, that sounds fabulous. Have you been able to reconnect with your feelings?
6: Yes, yeah. Because when you come into recovery, it's this classic expression that they have. Um, we have um, two issues. Number one, the good news is you get your feelings back. The bad news is you get your feelings back. You know, I start I start crying now when I see those adverts for the dogs' home. <laughs> so, it's, um, no, you get your um, you get your feelings back. Absolutely. But you know, I have a very 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 um, Well, I had a very lucky escape, actually. I had a very, very lucky escape. What do I have to do now in order to continue on this lifestyle with this lifestyle? Well, number one, rigorous honesty. Number two, um, actually, more practically, is I have to see the um, regulatory body, Civil Aviation Authority, every six months for a, a blood test. Occasionally, they'll take a hair test to check if there's been any misuse of anything. In the meantime, of course, there isn't, hasn't been, and there won't be. But, you know, it's a privilege now. It's a pleasure to go along there and submit to these tests because every time I'm saying, yes, I'm well.
4: That's and then it. they say, they
6: also write me a letter and say, yeah, you are certified fit.
4: That's a brilliant story, Ian. But you touched on a new relationship, and I'm going to uh, ask you to cover that in our next chat. Uh, because uh, you ended up in hospital um, for a very different reason. Uh, And uh, I think perhaps uh, we'll leave it there and uh, discuss that and uh, how your career is going now in our next chat next week, if that's okay. Brilliant. Yeah, be a pleasure. Thanks, Nick. Thanks very much.
1: Somebody say something. (laughs) <laughs> it's safe to say
0: there's uh, loads more to come and yeah. the, the stories do get We were so uh, engrossed in that. I
1: can't, I, it's just been a great series, hasn't it? Yeah,
0: yeah. It's also nice to see as well, mm. obviously see Ian Palmer in his, uh, I think it's in his like home studio I there because he's got all kind of musical stuff in the, the background. The geek
1: in me was sort of going, I need to know what that microphone is, I need to know what, you know, yes. I need to Do you know what, the, Matt? Yeah
0: great mind, think alive. because i was trying to see what that logo was on his microphone to see what he's using we'll have to be, be nice to, to find nice, out nice yeah. to know yeah, yeah it'd be nice we, to know
1: yeah why well, can i have a, can i have one for the studio is that way you, you've got a good microphone in the studio <laughs> yeah that's true that's true so but, so
2: no. so, do you guys have an expression something along the lines of you know it's gone through the the washing machine and it's come out the other side better for it um, I haven't heard that one. Nothing man. at all, apparently. And, and with the, with the look on Armando's face, we don't hear an American no, it's either. <laughs> um, but, but it certainly seems like Ian as I mean, his story is that where it's it's truly amazing and having come yeah. out the other end of of the wash. And and, and, um, and with anything
1: yeah. like that, of course, it's so brave to to you know I mean as he as he yeah, said there, you know, it. he wants to you yeah, know he's yeah, sort yeah, of definitely. championing the story if you see what I mean. That's why he's telling his story because he wants to help other people um you know who have been struggling and, and, and you know anybody who has the courage to do to be so open and, and honest like that deserves all our respect i think to be fair 100 mm-hmm. yep. percent.
0: well done um but thanks for that nick uh for bringing that to us as well so big thanks to you and uh, obviously ian palmer as well but uh we're going to hand the next part of the show over to uh armando to introduce
3: yeah, the train is so far off the tracks right now that if you guys are still willing to do it, we could use some military <laughs> The wheels is very much falling off. <laughs> well Matt, if you're ready, hit the button. Let's go for it. <laughs> There's a bunch of
1: pictures of this one. Matt. Honestly he talked over his own intro then, honestly. How rude. Just as well, he didn't say anything he shouldn't have done. (laughs) All
3: right. So this first military story, uh, I know that the guys over at APG talked about it and Juan Brown did a short video on this one too. But uh, uh, B-25 Old Glory um, crashed in California. The crew is is fine. Um, They just suffered uh, minimal injuries. But the B-25 Mitchell Old Glory was seriously damaged when it struck an irrigation ditch. During an off-airport landing attempt near Stockton, California, uh, three crew members on board were injured, two were taken to the hospital. But fortunately, all are, all injuries are non-life-threatening. So Old Glory is a North American B-25J Mitchell, built in 1944. And as I learned from Juan Brown, this aircraft actually did serve in, uh, I believe, in the Mediterranean in World War II. So it's a, a true veteran of, uh, of World War II. This Accident is still under investigation. It just happened. It's a developing story. But there is some ATC recordings where the chase plane was a Bonanza that was following this aircraft. It had gone up to, Brian, correct me, it it went somewhere um, near Vacaville, I I believe, and did a demonstration or a a lunch flying type thing and then came back to Stockton. Um, So pretty short flight. From what they know, they didn't get any fuel up in Vacaville, um, but that will always be the the first thing when they when you have a simultaneous engine failure on a twin engine airplane or a multi engine airplane, um, obviously some kind of fuel issue will be the the first thing that they look at amongst yeah. everything else. Like, obviously, it's probably a compounding emergency, but um, it's just a a terrible loss for the aircraft. You know, when when the B seventeen went down. In uh, Connecticut, the the uh, or was it Massachusetts? Massachusetts. Uh, last year, it, you know, I think we talked Connecticut. about Connecticut. Connecticut. Yeah, the the yeah. importance of these aircraft staying in the air and and the just benevolent organizations that that continue to keep these aircraft flying. It takes so much money, so much volunteer effort that uh, that it's always just a, a complete shame when one of these aircraft. Mm. end up in the I mean, dirt like that, this. It's so much. I don't know what their plan is for this one, but hopefully they're able to the, the,
0: judging the, by the pictures, I would hope that they can um
3: Yeah, it doesn't it them. doesn't look like it's it, I don't know. It, it's hard to tell, you know, if if there's a, a lot of fuselage damage, it could be a total write-off, but but I've also seen B17s that have been stripped down to to the ribs and and been built back up from from scratch, so I, I hope that uh, they're able to get this airplane back in the air in a couple of years and and be able to raise the money to to do that. So
0: we've actually got one of these in the UK, Matt. We've got um, there's one of these in the American hangar at Duxford, right? And there's also uh, a B25J also at RAF Museum at Hendon as well. There's one okay. of these uh, one yeah. of those in the UK, but um, yeah, it is, it is sad, like you say, Armando, to see something that's probably been that's probably had a heck of a lot of time and effort put into restoring to uh, to get it flying, and then obviously to have this happen is
3: mm.
0: is very. Slow. Yeah, this
3: this particular aircraft actually had an off airport landing in Reno at the Reno Air Races during an exhibition back in the eighties, I believe.
2: So I it's well practiced at this. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah, and you know it, yeah. it does give hope that that it's it's able to get back into in the air. So yeah,
2: fingers it's crossed. Unfortunate,
3: hands. but yeah, uh, I, I think that the crew is safe.
2: Yeah, as far as American bombers go, I think it's one of the more beautiful ones. I just love the the lines on on the B twenty five. So,
3: one of my favorite movies ever is Forever Young with Mel Gibson, mm. and in that movie he flies a B twenty five, and I remember as a kid watching that movie and absolutely falling in love with the with the B twenty five. And of course, it's it's famous for so many other missions, you know, especially the the USS Yorktown and and uh, Jimmy Doolittle flying it off the the deck of, of an aircraft carrier when the airplane was yeah. not designed to do that at all. And, uh, and struck back at uh, the Japanese in World War II, but mm-hmm. just a, a long storied airplane that served in so many theaters and, and continued to serve after World War II. Many of these went over to uh, fire bombing missions or fire attack missions, just like the P2Vs mm-hmm. and, and just a lot of these big, super powerful, a-26, uh, big radial engine twins that that had a long career after the war. Um, but there's, you know, just mm. every year there's just a few less flying.
1: True.
0: True. So the next story is on the dragonladytoday.com website. And good news for Jonathan Warner and anyone who lives near RAF Fairford in Gloucestershire here in the UK. The U-2s are moving to Fairford It is now one year since the 99th Expeditionary Reconnaissance Squadron ERS Began to move from Al Dafra base in the UAE to RAF Fairford here in the UK. Since last November, the squadron has been busy flying operational missions in an eastward direction. Fairford is an RAF air base in name only, since it operated by the USAF. It houses occasional deployments of B 1s, B 2s, and B 52s. Fairford is best known for staging the annual Royal International Air Tattoo, or RIAT, as we like to call it here, which is the world's largest. Military aviation show. Today's 99th ERS has only two U 2s on strength. Nevertheless, it's flying a busy schedule. One aircraft is dedicated to operational missions, while the other is kept in the slick. Configuration without sensors and are used for pilots' pilots uh, currency flights. Uh, the air uh, nickname Arctic Dragons, which may be a reference to the British climate, which is considerably cooler than that enjoyed by the Ninth Wing personnel at their home base or at the 99th's previous base in the desert. It could also refer to a mission. Marine, by the way, to the Barents Sea to monitor Russian military activity in a strategic area. However, the most uh, most 99th ERS missions have been in the Baltic Sea region to monitor an area uh, where east west tensions are on the rise. There are normally eight hour flights and sometimes coincide with NATO exercises in the area when Russian defences are most likely to be active and emitting. Being a British airbase, Fairford is often uh, surrounded by aircraft enthusiasts, Jonathan Warner, uh, observing the action with their radios and photo equipment, Jonathan Warner. Uh, The (laughs) personnel of the 99th ERS obviously have a sense of humour. They have designed their informal Friday patch uh, and the pencil pocket patch that is worn by on the arm of their flight suits to show the long camera lenses poking over the airbase fences. Uh, The formal 99th ERS patch features a fiery dragon, of course, and is topped by a crown to acknowledge the British basing. And obviously, uh, Mr. Warner will probably be on eBay trying to find one of these. Uh, In fact,
1: Mr. Warner has indeed been in touch. And um, yeah, there's. uh, carry on talking because I've got a slight technical issue that I need to deal with.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for anyone who uh, is lucky enough in the community to to have met uh, Jonathan Warner, and uh, we obviously mentioned him a little bit on the show, uh, he does take some fantastic photographs of uh, said aircraft. And he's also one of the regular visitors every year to... um, to Riyadh which unfortunately this year as most of you know didn't go ahead due no. to
1: the current climbs we are oh is there something in? going on oh no I didn't did. mm. oh, well I didn't know that there well there, there you go Every day's a school day isn't it yeah no he, he's just I'm just trying to get this to, to come up because he's literally just sent me a pic, uh, The literally the story that we're talking about here and he's he's saying um uh, so the, the, these are he, oh come on you silly I love it when technology goes wrong don't you uh, wh- while you're getting that up, Matt,
3: I-, I think there's a there's a obviously a
1: long history of American aircraft
3: serving over in the UK, and RAF Fairford was one of those bases that when I first got over there in 2006, um, and I served four years over in the UK, Fairford was all but shut down. Um, it was it was uh, considered a warm base, a forward staging base. M- many of the buildings had been just uh, shuttered up, and uh, it's. It's interesting to see this resurgence at RAF Fairford. And now, you know, they, but when they were talking about closing Mildenhall, some of the tanker aircraft were going to move to Germany, some of the reconnaissance aircraft were going to move over to RAF Fairford. And now to see a, a, a pseudo-permanent presence by the U-2s and the, the 99th Expeditionary Reconnaissance Squadron, which is their home wing, is the ninth Reconnaissance Wing out of Beale Air Force Base, California.
1: And Jonathan says this was taken at... Uh, Fairford, so this is a U2 at Fairford, which is why it was relevant to the story, really. If, Actually, if, if before had move it smoother, it would have been so much more impressive.
0: So, <laughs> before we move on, I, I've got yeah. to say, I, I did send Armando some pictures, uh, I think it was last week or early this week, Armando, but I, I do get the chance to go frequently over to RAF Bentwaters, which is obviously now a mm. decommissioned site here in the UK. But it's still awesome to see that, you know, um, which was the base of the A10s. Uh, back in its day here mm. in the uk um it's just awesome to be on one of those sites with uh with the uh, you know where the aircraft used to be and
3: yeah with all yeah the tony bit. s actually brings up a good point in the chat room which is it'll be interesting to see what the future of riyadh will be as the base gets busier yeah that's that's certainly uh i guess you know something to think about because even Mildenhall had open houses back in the 80s and the early 90s but then you know shortly after 9-11 they they pretty much closed the base down and uh, Fairford the same thing if they're going to start running reconnaissance missions and bomber missions i know jonathan warner sent us some fantastic pictures of some Mm. b-52s out Mm -hmm. there Um, but yeah as the base gets busier and busier it's it's um increasingly likely that that Big events like Riyadh will have to move somewhere else. But I'll
0: tell, you, I'll tell you what, guys. I really hope that in 2022, uh, which is when it's supposed to uh, hopefully happen again, we get the chance to go over to Pittsburgh again,
1: Matt, mm, to uh, yeah, to the that show was there with show, uh, that was, Rick Bell. Mm. Yeah, indeed. Anyway, we need to move on, guys. Brian, we're gonna run out next of story. If We're not careful.
2: I will make this one really fast because you guys gave me the story with a whole bunch of words that I have no chance of pronouncing whatsoever. <laughs> um, so basically, two uh, Soviet jets were dancing around in the sky and one shot down the other one. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, Carlos, the last story is with you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah that, I mean, that, that, did, wait did I miss out on anything That was uh, that was yeah, S-35 Flanker yeah. jets
0: yeah that uh, gunned down an SU-30 Flanker jet during close air combat during a training
3: mishap So uh, there uh, are there yeah. are four paragraphs explaining how there's not a lot of information on this so <laughs> much how one flanker was, yeah. and
2: how one flanker <laughs> shot another flanker right or he <laughs> flanked yeah. up he, it, out, he outflanked the other flanker <laughs>
1: Indeed. Okay, Carlos, on to the last story then, please. He's faking
0: aircraft. Don't don't call me Shirley.
1: (laughs) Anyway, this.
0: This last story on the bbc.co.uk website, major military exercises taking place off Scotland, so any of our Scottish listeners may be wondering what all the noise is about. So exercise Group X involving the Royal Navy's new aircraft carrier, HMS Queen Elizabeth, has already started. Joint Warrior, running from the 4th to the 15th of October, will form part of Group X and will include naval units from Australia and the US. The Royal Navy said its units would observe current COVID-19 guidelines, which means the Aircraft carriers will be two meters apart, hopefully. And uh, the Royal Navy said that the units uh, are obviously, uh, well, it says here, yeah, COVID 19 guidelines. It says a wide range of measures to reduce the impact and risks of the infection have been put in place to limit. Uh, port visits during the, uh, the exercise. The Royal Navy says visits were be really made for operational and logistical reasons. Group X started uh, on the 21st of September and will mainly take place off Scotland's east coast. It will finish at the same time as Joint Warrior. The Ross-built aircraft carrier, HMS Queen Elizabeth, is leading what is called a carrier strike group. Uh, Warships from the UK, US and Netherlands uh, form part of the group. The carrier is carrying 15 F-35B stealth fighter jets and eight Merlin helicopters. The Royal Navy said it was the largest concentration of fighter jets to operate at the uh, the sea from a UK carrier in almost 40 years. The jets are Royal Air Force and US Marine Corps aircraft, The Joint Warrior is one of the Europe's largest NATO exercises and is held twice a year in spring and autumn. This year's first staging of the exercise was drastically pared down due to COVID-19 pandemic, with only a handful of countries involved and all the training was held at sea. Next month, Joint Warrior will largely take place at sea, including uh, in the Moray Firth. But 130 group, uh, grand troops will be training at military ranges and maritime exercises areas on the east, west, and north coasts of Scotland. And overall, Group X uh, Joint Warrior will involve more than 6,000 personnel. 30 naval units from countries including Belgium, Canada, Denmark, France, Lithuania, Norway, and Portugal, and 81 aircraft. Some of the aircraft will be flown out of airports at Presswick, Ayrshire, and Stonaway in Lewis. So it's safe to say anyone who loves their military stuff and lives in Scotland uh, will get a damn good view of uh, what's going on in the sea.
1: No, I can imagine. I can imagine it's... uh it's uh, going to be an interesting sort of project. Mm. But it's, again, it's a shame it's had to be sort of dialed down, of course, because of what's been going on, you know. But yeah. then I guess that's sort of, you know, everybody's got to do this as safely as they can yeah. now. This weird thing is all going on. So, Matt, I think, oh, just real quick, Carlos,
3: oh. the, what we're seeing here, you know, I think most of our listeners are pretty loyal. They've been listening for a while. So now we, we're we going it's on... Two hours, yeah. <laughs> we are going it's on two hours, You know, we've been talking about the acquisition of the F-35s by the UK for a while now, and you're seeing real-time how long it takes to get Mm -hmm. these aircraft operational or to fully operational capability. There is a lot of training that needs to go on, not just for the pilots, but for all the ground crews and all of the operations staff that, that, I mean, if you're going to buy an airplane that has all these capabilities, now you have to exercise it in those capabilities for so many months Mm -hmm. until you can finally... Put the gold star on the you know the price tag and say, yep, it, yep. it does Ready everything that yep.
1: that we bought it to do. Indeed, it's um as I say, it's it's one of those things, isn't it? We're never going to know truly what what, what is involved uh, to try and get sort of these things uh, operational, isn't it? It's uh, it's so much goes on behind the scenes, isn't it? Before that that aircraft takes off for the first time from a hangar, for example.
0: So with a change to normal kind of aviation style chat but we're going to stick with something that does affect aviation. Mm. Matt, what's this next segment yeah, all about? Yeah,
1: indeed. So um, our, our next uh, segment uh, is uh, basically, I'm sure you've all been uh, very much enjoying the Plain Truce series that we've been running with Captain Al. Uh, Captain Al has been a little bit busy over the last couple of weeks so unfortunately we haven't been able to get uh, the next batch uh, recorded. But many of you will remember that very recently we were joined by Dan Holly from a company based here in Norwich called WeatherQuest to help us with a couple of said segments uh, while we were chatting off camera uh, we were talking about weather in general and Al uh, and I are both very keen uh, in what uh, Mother Nature's sometimes destructive power can do to this uh, wonderful world of ours uh, whilst we were chatting Dan mentioned that every year he usually takes a pilgrimage to the States to indulge in his rather unusual hobby of storm chasing
7: yeah, it's not not everyone's cup of tea, admittedly. But uh, yeah, I mean, who, who wouldn't want to chase storms for two weeks on end in in the Great Plains of the US?
1: Really? Okay, so I mean, obviously, weather, weather here in the UK is frankly boring. Let's be honest; uh, it doesn't do. Although, to be perfectly honest, it
5: has been quite exciting over the last few weeks. <laughs>
1: yeah,
7: <laughs> doesn't happen very often though. No, um,
5: no I, I, I saw some quite. Well, I, I suppose frightening statistics are the number of lightning strikes mm. that the UK had sustained over a sort of 12 hour period recently. And it was quite phenomenal.
7: Yeah. Yeah. And, and unusual, really, for, for the UK. You don't get this sort of set up very often. Um, and, it, and it is more akin, actually, to the type of storms that I would go chasing in the US.
5: Wow. Yeah. Now- I mean, I think it was last uh, last week we had a phenomena here in the northwest of England that we generally don't see and i don't know what the proper sort of meteorological term for it is but effectively uh, you know dry lightning where
7: mm-hmm.
5: um, you know you're having a thunderstorm but without any rain but an awful lot of lightning does that particular thunderstorm have a technical term
7: um i've, I've heard of a, a dry thunderstorm before some people call it heat lightning as well um, yeah. and that's basically where you see the lightning but you're not actually getting the rain Um, And and the main reason for that really is the base of the thunderstorm is so high up. I mean, those storms were around sort of nine, ten thousand 10,000 feet bases um, and a lot of hot, dry air underneath that. So most of the rain is actually evaporating before it even sort of reaches the ground. So you get all the lightning, uh, but not much precipitation, which you know, can cause some wildfires occasionally if, if it occurs over some, you know, very dry land. It, the lightning can strike the land, set a fire off, and there's no rain to put it out. So it can be quite dangerous in, in that respect, depending on where it obviously happens.
5: So, I mean, and I it was quite amazing because I was driving home around about 11.30 midnight, and this storm was was happening sort of all over Cheshire. And the number of people at midnight that were out with their camera phones, <laughs> you know, taking pictures and videos, which just sort of uh, amplified to me how rare this was in the UK. I mean, you see it a lot in other parts of the world. Um, you get a lot of it in uh, an area of Europe that we call Thunderstorm Alley, which is uh, Croatia going into Bosnia and Serbia. Um, but, yeah, very, very unusual in, in the UK and, and uh, quite impressive to see, actually.
7: Yeah, and I, I saw many uh, people's accounts saying, you know, this is the best one they've ever seen. Uh, on that night as well. So uh, I'm rather jealous that I wasn't able to see that from here in Norfolk.
5: <laughs> I mean, one one of the joys of being an, an airline pilot is that um, we quite often get to see thunderstorms from above them. So um, it is literally at night. It is a fantastic light show beneath mm. you. Um, now, we do fly quite a lot above thunderstorms, but one of the, the things I'm quite often minded of is that when passengers are looking out the window and they see thunderstorms, because it's dark all around them, they look a lot closer to them than they actually are. And when I say to the cabin crew, oh, don't worry about it, that thunderstorm, yeah, it looks pretty frightening, but it's over 100 miles away. Mm -hmm. And they go, no, 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 it's just over there. And you go, no, I'll show you (laughs) on the weather radar. There it is there, and it's 100 miles away, but it just looks so close. But yeah, I've spent... Many a night sat, uh, you know, six or eight thousand feet above a thunderstorm or a series of thunderstorms that have, you know, occupied several hundred square miles of of landmass, and it's all just lighting up. And there are periods where it's almost daylight on the flight deck with the intensity of the lightning.
7: Um, I'm guessing you've not been lucky enough to experience that yet. I've, uh, I, th- there's one occasion I can think of flying back from America where. Uh, there was a big big thunderstorm complex that had developed over mu- much of the continent actually um, and we were trying to get around it uh, so we were flying basically from uh, west to east along the gulf state coast there louisiana alabama that sort of thing and trying to get around this complex and it was flashing like mad and you know i just wanted to sit there and look at it out of the window but <laughs> i remember a flight attendant actually told me to pull the uh, the thing down oh, um, so i couldn't watch it i don't know why they didn't really say why but uh I was gutted. I couldn't just sit there and, and watch the lightning going on.
5: You're scaring the children, young man. Put it
7: away. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, now, Family you, show. Don't, oh, don't, don't, don't say that, please. Don't say that. Uh, <laughs> I have to pay APG some money now. Apparently, the, the contract's all gone horribly wrong. Uh, now, now you allude to, to that. So, where is it that you go storm chasing in the in the states, Dan? I mean, uh, as I say, I mean the weather here is is not great for for stuff like mm-hmm. that. So, I mean, do you go to the same location, or or do you you, you plan in advance, like where you're going to go, based on 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 like the forecasts?
7: Yeah, so uh, we used to fly to Dallas. Um, That that was our usual sort of starting base. And and it depends on what time you go. So just to put a bit of context, the, the storm season in the US runs from about April through to sort of July time. And it starts in the southern states Uh, at the beginning of the season and then as the jet stream migrates north through the spring and into early summer the focus for the severe storm shifts north into the northern plains and then by July and into August it's sort of Canada that's getting the the severe storm so you can still get some pretty decent stuff in Canada if you wanted to go chasing later on in the season Um, so if you're going earlier in the season you want to go to an airport that's further south such as Dallas and then if you're going later on in the season Denver is usually a popular choice Um, so you know Dallas for me, for the early seasons, but actually in the last few years, I've, I've opted for Denver. So that's where you start, that's where you land, obviously, and then you just go wherever the the storms happen to be. So you know, on day one, you may be lucky and and find it's fairly local. Or it could be hundreds of miles away and you've got a long journey to get into to position to chase some storms on your first day.
1: So, so what's your procedure then? So you, obviously you, you've chosen, you, you've obviously got your, uh, I mean, are you are you moving like to different motels based on, on the, the forecast that you've got? Uh, I mean, in front of you, I mean, presumably there's, there's not a great deal you can plan in advance with a trip like this.
7: No, that's right. It, it is effectively just a big road trip um, where you don't know where you're going to end up at the end of the day um and you know the next day you'll just take it when when it comes you're focusing just purely on a day by day um stage i guess so a a typical day would start by looking at a lot of uh, observations radar satellite uh, lots of model output as well in the morning and trying to pick out where i think these storms are going to erupt that afternoon they obviously most of the time they generally develop sort of mid to late afternoon once you've had peak daytime heating going on Um, so you pick a target usually somewhere that has a lot of good road options um, so you don't want to pick somewhere that's just sort of halfway along a road with no other roads coming off because if something goes up it quickly then you want to get there quickly as well um, so you, you pick a target on occasions it could be sort of five six hour drive away from where you're starting the day just depending on what the weather setup is really um, and then you sort of spend the morning driving there have some lunch uh, it's a bit of a waiting game obviously some days convection which is the showers and thunderstorms will fire fairly early but other days it could be as late as sort of six seven o'clock in the evening sometimes so it ends up being a sort of sit around and wait really for things to develop and then once things start to develop you then head off towards these storms and and just sort of track them over the, the subsequent hours into the into the evening hours.
1: So, I mean, a, a huge amount of this is is must be, to a degree, I guess, pot luck. Because, like we were alluding to earlier, obviously, you're never really quite sure where the thunderstorms are going to appear. For example, mm. um, I mean, it, it must be so frustrating sometimes to to sort of get get to see what you've you've basically gone out there to do.
7: Yeah, and uh, those that come chasing with me will know I'm always doubting myself. <laughs> so when <laughs> when you're sitting there. Uh, in, in the afternoon waiting for something to develop and, and nothing's really developing yet you then start thinking have I made the right decision should I have gone to, you know to this place instead and and all sorts of doubt comes into your mind but usually if you go with your gut um, more often than not it will pay off there are some days obviously where it doesn't quite go to plan and, and that's just part of it really but you learn from those mistakes and and, and develop better as a person you know going forward in, in your forecasting so not only is it a great way to see what mother nature can can do um, but also it's a good challenge for you to to get better at that forecasting as well
1: i, I mean it, it's just such a fascinating subject i mean it's uh, uh, the, the the first question i've got to go ask really is what is the best storm that you've actually been able to witness
7: oh that's a difficult question um probably for me the first tornado i saw um just because you know it's your first tornado it was four years in so my first chase was in 2012 i didn't see a tornado until 2016 um so contrary to popular belief there aren't tornadoes roaming all over the tornado (laughs) alley um they're actually quite hard to find um So you have to go quite a lot. And it may be potluck. You know, if, if you go during a two week period that's very active weather wise, then you may see several tornadoes. But if you happen to have booked a two week period, which is very quiet, then um, it's just potluck really as to, as to what you see. But yeah, for me, it took four years to see one. And the first one I saw was still several miles away. Uh, it was a tiny little thing on the horizon. It lasted about 10 seconds <laughs> and then it was gone. Um, but at that moment you know just just that excitement it's like oh my god that's a that's a tornado that's there a tornado.
1: Wow. it was quite exciting i mean I, I suppose potentially there is an inherent risk with this sort of thing i mean you know we've all seen those horrendous films like tornado yeah. and stuff where they're all ripped up into a into the into said tornado and uh, and stuff and, i mean obviously in the states they I mean, they do get these tornadoes and they are you know they do destroy mass Land, don't they? You know, the the, the damage is yeah. is very severe at times. I mean, it's it is it, Are you aware of any stories where where people have been hurt storm chasing?
7: Yeah, I think up until 2013 there hadn't actually been any fatalities from storm chasers. Um, you can stay relatively safe uh, as long as you know what's going on. So you need to make sure that you're not too close. Um, so generally speaking, you want to be probably about half a mile to a mile at the closest um, to to these, where the potential tornado could form. So those that are chasing know which parts of the storms. These are called supercell thunderstorms and they are basically rotating thunderstorms. You know which part of that storm could produce a tornado. It's always in sort of the updraft area. Um, So you want to stay usually southeast of that because these storms run southwest to northeast most of the time. And that means you can then stay away from getting caught out by it and also be aware of your surroundings. Where are your exit routes? How far away are they from you to the nearest paved road, of course, because a lot of roads in, in the plains are actually dirt roads. Wow. And if they get very wet, you can get quite stuck. Um, so that's something else you have to be wary of. And also you can get some pretty large hail coming out of these things, uh, even in sort of clear air. You know, th- these big, big thunderstorms can chuck hail out the side, <laughs> which can can batter your car sometimes as well. So that's something else to be wary of. But overall, you can stay relatively safe as long as you are aware of what is going on uh, around you and as i say fatalities from storm chasers are relatively rare and that particular event in 2013 it was the widest tornado ever recorded um, that that caused that and it rapidly uh, grew in size and turned to the left of its motion that it was moving in so it caught a lot of people out because of its sudden change in track and size uh, that caught some people out but that doesn't happen very often as I say, most of the time you can stay relatively safe. Wow!
5: Now- I'm intrigued. Your, your car rental transaction must be quite <laughs> weird. You must go to the desk and go, I need a van to get all of my kit in. It's got to have off-road tyres yeah. in case I get stuck on a dirt track and it gets a bit boggy. And it needs to do naught to 60 in less than five <laughs> seconds so I can get out of Dodge.
1: You want an 18 van. That's essentially what you want, isn't it?
7: <laughs> and what you don't want is a sunroof. Uh, because if you've got big hail that you know that that could smash that up and then, then you've got all this water coming in your car so that's the one of the big things that we make sure we
1: don't get as a summary i mean as you, as you can tell there guys we had an awful lot of fun recording uh some of those segments uh we've got a couple <laughs> more parts of that typical owl there you can always rely on oh, captain to, to lower the tone can't you? <laughs> absolutely yeah. there we go but uh yeah th- my my th- personal thanks to captain al and uh, dan holly for that yeah. great great well we've got a couple more parts of that uh, to come we'll be bringing that to you again in the coming Weeks.
0: So we've just got a short uh, piece of list of feedback to play you out now uh, for obviously the aviation in my life uh, that we had the competition a while back, uh, back in episode 324 with the plane reclaimers. So this, uh, week, uh, this week we've got a short piece, a very short piece of feedback uh, from Jenny Parkinson all about aviation in her life.
3: Hello, Jenny in Rome here. I just felt I wanted to enter your competition. So a quick thing for me what makes an av geek i think it's jumping up whenever you hear a plane go by and rushing over to the wind or the balcony falling over things in my haste to get there to have a look not always being able to identify them like the the military gray plane that went by with four engines overhead this morning down at the seaside but uh, it gives me a thrill to always gives me a thrill to see an airplane in the sky I'm so sorry, I can't fly anywhere right now. But still, it'll all come back again. Bye for
1: now. And I think we're all we're all in that same boat, there, aren't we? Really, we're, Hello, we're Jenny all missing and Rome, being yeah. able to
0: fly. I here. just felt I, I wanted to. I, I can remember comment. today, even today at work. You know, get being getting outside the lorry, hearing something up above, and I'm just standing there, looking up. And Then, and then it, the phone comes out. Flight radar 24. Yeah,
1: you work out what it is. Yeah, absolutely yeah, away yeah. the they go. Yeah. Uh, okay, we need to do uh, wrap up, boys and girls. Yep.
0: So we're going to wrap bring start to bring this show to a close episode three three seven so social media links follow us on facebook twitter and instagram search for plain talking uk don't forget that all important whatsapp number plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six if you want to get uh, your picture on the green screen behind Matt in the PTUK studios, you can send your aviation-related pictures to that number. You can also email the show podcast at planetalkinguk.com Send your emails into there if you want to send us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Also, don't forget the website www.plantalkinguk.com You can go to the website, click on, there's links on there for the shop if you want to get yourself uh, one of our PTUK mugs. You can order yourself one of our uh, coffee or tea mugs on, on there. As well as our wonderful P2K t shirts with the embroidered logos. On the front and the print on the back, and you can also find on there as well the links to our uh, Amazon uh, links, so you can purchase stuff on Amazon, which I have done tonight. You'll be pleased to know, Matt. <laughs> right, while okay. we're doing the show. Guess, and gin,
1: je- by any chance? No, 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 <laughs> exactly,
0: no. Okay. Gemma will and be curious. <laughs> you can also find the links on there if you want to become a Patreon of the show. If you're not already a Patreon of the show, uh, which helps us to cover all our fees for running the show and also helps us to uh, bring the show each uh, each week to you guys and girls out there so if you want to become a patreon the links are on there or if you want to make a one-off donation of a, a quid or two quid or whatever you can find behind the sofa you can click on paypal and uh, send you uh, a donation through paypal on the website as well uh don't forget as well to follow all of our guests i should say our guests tonight on social media brian coleman where can people uh discover you on the social medias
2: uh, nowhere i am antisocial do not anti <laughs> okay. yeah, do not participate <laughs> in social medias <laughs> but for an email, you could always send an email to brian at airplanegeeks.com uh, also if anyone is truly interested in an aviation themed map including a map mask, including a Star Wars one. Um, yeah, you know, there's a bunch on the on the website, and that is tabfabric.com. And there's the special edition one. So if someone uh, is really interested and wants to send an email, these are not listed there, but there are planetary ones, oh, nice. and you can choose your planet. So you could actually have Uranus on your face if you wanted. R- r- right. Okay. Good. Uh, <laughs> uh,
1: social media. Other social media uh, to to follow Captain Al. <laughs> oh, he says glossing over and moving on. Uh, to follow Captain Al, uh, if you're yeah. not doing so or ready why aren't you at airbus underscore al uh, so that's at airbus underscore al dan holly who uh we, who's featured a couple of times now uh, and obviously with our wonderful storm chasing you can follow uh what he gets up to working for weather quest by searching for at dan holly all as one word that's h-o-l-l-e-y underscore so it's at dan holly underscore and uh yes that's uh, make sure you give him a follow because i'm sure they'll really appreciate uh, uh, any follows so a big thank you to everyone who's
0: joined us in the YouTube chat room tonight. A big thanks to you all, all our family in there tonight. Great to see everyone in there tonight. Thanks for taking time on Friday to join us in the YouTube chat room tonight. Big thanks to everyone who also downloads the show as an audio podcast each week. Uh, thanks to you. And don't forget, if you are downloading through iTunes, give us a little rating on iTunes. We'd love to hear what you think of this Armando, the, the
1: final words will be yours, my friend. Sign us off, please. All right, everybody. Chat room, you
3: have been great. Everybody, stay safe during these quirky, quirky times. Quirky. We're looking forward to seeing you next week. See you guys. Take care, everyone. Bye, bye, bye,
7: bye.